This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Iowa Republicans will brave the sub-zero wind chills as they head to school gyms, churches, and community centers to choose who they want to see in the Oval Office. Despite the weather, four GOP candidates canvassing the state talking with voters, hoping to make their lasting impressions and get their vote. According to polls, there's a clear frontrunner in Iowa, but a tight race for number two. The national media have taken up positions in the Iowa Event Center, a reminder that the eyes of the world are on this state. Where the final polls shows Donald Trump at 48%, Nikki Haley at 20%, Ron DeSantis at 16%, and Vivek Ramaswamy at 8 We spoke to NBC News Chief Political Director Mark Murray. It's actually about being able to get a ticket out of Iowa, and particularly that's true for Ron DeSantis. A third-place finish here in Iowa would just be detrimental to his campaign. He has the endorsements from Iowa's sitting Governor Kim Reynolds. He visited all 99 Iowa counties, has a great organization. The bitter cold here in the hot Hawkeye State will be a true gauge of voter enthusiasm. This year, the presidential campaign trail runs through courthouses. In Washington this past week, attorneys for former President Trump argued in federal court that an ex-president should be immune from prosecution. Arguments that seem to get little love from the judges. I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. A ruling could come in days though it could be appealed to the Supreme Court. Hinging on that decision is the Justice Department's case against Trump for attempting to overturn the 2020 election. Also on the docket, a federal trial for mishandling classified records, Georgia state charges of state election interference, and in New York, a defamation suit, plus trials over hush money payments to a porn star, as well as real estate fraud. What percentage of your time these days is spent on your campaign? What percentage is spent on your legal issues? Well, see, my legal issues, every one of them, everyone, civil and the criminal ones, are all set up by Joe Biden, crooked Joe Biden. They're doing it for election interference. And in a way, I guess you'd consider it part of the campaign. Joining us now, WABC radio host, Sid Rosenberg. Sid Rosenberg, great to see you. Number one in the mornings. Big celebrity in New York. What's on your lapel? I'm on lapel. I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. Very good. So this week on my radio show, I had Rachel Goldberg on. Her son is a Hirsch. He's one of the hostages. And she told me that they're all going to wear the number 100 with a hashtag on their shirts the next couple of days because in two days, it'll be exactly 100 days. Tomorrow, actually, in Israel, 100 days since that awful October the 7th, since they took all these hostages and killed all those Israelis. So in solidarity, Brian... The number 100, hashtag, help out Rachel Love Goldberg it. and get these people home, please. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, 
we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. don't know, of course, this song talks about that. MLK, the assassination, blood rings out in the Memphis sky because for you history buffs out there, of course, it was April 4th of 1968 when the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and murdered. But today happens to be King's birthday, January the 15th, he was born in 1929, so if MLK was not assassinated back in 1968, he would have been 95 years old today, Lewis. 95 years old, Martin Luther King, but of course he's been dead now for the better part of 56 years. But nevertheless, we celebrate today. You know, that uh, that song, Pride in the Name of Love by U2, off of the great Unforgettable Fire album is uh, one of my favorites, one of the great rock and roll songs ever. But you may remember, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, you know, U2 does this amazing show. They've got a, um, what do you call that uh, when you're, you're at a place all the time? Like Billy a, Joel yes, had at the Garden? Uh, a stand. Uh, no, nah, it's called a residency. Right. And they've got that at the Sphere in Vegas. And I'm dying to go out there. I'm considering going out there after the Israel trip for the Super Bowl, February the 11th in Vegas. But you 2 has got a residency at the Sphere. And a couple of, maybe a month ago or so, Bono took this song, Pride in the Name of Love, which, again, he talks about the King assassination, and changed the lyrics. And, I, and I've always loved Bono, the whole band, Adam Clayton, Larry Mullen Jr., and, of course, The Edge. But when he did this and actually changed the words 
to what's going on in Israel, I loved, if it's possible, I loved Bono and U2 even more. So this is Bono and U2 at the Sphere about a month ago, changing the words from king and pride to Israel and pride. Take a listen. In the light of what's happened in Israel and Gaza, uh, a song about nonviolence seems somewhat ridiculous, even laughable, but our prayers have always been for peace and, uh, and for nonviolence, so... But our hearts and our anger, you know what that's pointed. So sing with us. And those those beautiful kids of that music festival. October 7th, as the sun is rising in the desert sky, stars of David, they took your life, but they could not take your pride. So, uh, last week, you may have heard talking about uh, Israel. We'll get to the Iowa caucus and my dear friend Donald Trump in a moment. Last week, a week ago today, thanks to Noam Layton, we had Rachel Goldberg on the show. And uh, Rachel has been one of the real faces of this hostage horror. Her son, Hirsch, was taken from the Nova Music Festival. His arm was blown off from his elbow down, but witnesses saw these Hamas animals loading Hirsch with his arm blown off into a truck on his way back to Gaza. So uh, Rachel was on last week, and she talked about this hashtag 100, where she wanted everybody in solidarity with Israel to wear hashtag 100 on a piece of masking tape on their lapels and shirts. So, as you heard in the open, I was on Brian Kilmeade's very popular One Nation show on Saturday night. And at the risk of sounding like a real dick, I looked great. My God, did I look good. Blue shirt, blue suit, nice tan, muscular, the whole thing. I mean, if you saw it, you'd have to admit I looked real good. But more importantly, my content was great. Whether I was discussing... Michael Jordan and Jerry Krause with the Bulls or the pro-Palestinian marches here or Rachel and Hirsch Goldberg. So if you missed it, I believe Unknown yesterday was the actual 100-day, and I hate to use the word anniversary, but... Yeah, you don't know what word to use, but yeah, yesterday was 100 days in captivity. 100 days in captivity, so I made this point about my lapel and hashtag 100 on Kill Mead Show on Fox News on Saturday night. Lewis, this would be cut number nine. What's on your lapel? On my lapel. I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. Very good. So this week on my radio show, I had Rachel Goldberg on. Her son is uh, Hirsch. He's one of the hostages. 
And she told me that they're all going to wear the number 100 with a hashtag on their shirts the next couple of days because in two days, it'll be exactly 100 days. Tomorrow, actually, in Israel, 100 days since that awful October the 7th, since they took all these hostages and killed all those Israelis. Right. So in solidarity, Brian, the number 100 hashtag, help out Rachel Love Goldberg it. and get these people home, please. Well, there you have it. So yesterday, hashtag 100. And at the same time, Hamas put out this new video. Now, I have the video. It's not easy to get this, but I am now part of the whole Israel, I guess, cabal. I'm in, you know, whether it's uh, Lizzie Savetsky, whether it's um, Noah Tishby, all these folks that have become ultra big names, ultra big names because of the tragedy in Israel, now communicate with me daily. And again, I'm hoping that today, and no later than today, today, we cement this trip, which um, should be two weeks from today. We should be doing a show four days starting two weeks from today from Jerusalem. So I got this uh, this hostage video, which Hamas put together, which is really disgusting and alarming. But it did come out, of, I guess, yesterday. And you may remember that on October the 7th, one of the videos was this young, beautiful girl by the name of Noah Argaman, or Argamani, I should say, or Argaman. And she was uh, on a motorcycle yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs. You remember that, Noam, of course. I do, yeah. Well, she's in this video, Noah and uh, two gentlemen, Yossi and Ite, and they're all speaking. So they're alive, I guess. If the video is, in fact, brand new, they're alive. But um, the video does state... You will learn their fate tomorrow, which is a very eerie and scary piece of news at the end of that video. And uh, Noah certainly doesn't look nearly as good, God bless her, as she did before the music festival. It looks like she lost a lot of weight and certainly scared to death. So if you haven't seen the video, good. (laughs) You don't want to see it, but Hamas is continuing their terror, even on a psychological front, even as of yesterday. But again, today is the Iowa caucus. Four Republican candidates are still alive. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's on life support. Ron DeSantis, also on life support. If he gets clobbered in Iowa today, and he probably will, he's done. And that will leave it a two-man or one-man, one-woman race between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Trump is just killing both of them, though. Last look, Trump was up 34 points on Nikki Haley, 37 on Ron DeSantis. These are the numbers that I've got. You got pretty much the same numbers, Noam? Yeah. The latest one from the NBC poll from Sunday was Trump up 30 points. Yeah, he's killing them both. And he's going to win New Hampshire, too. All this talk about Nikki Haley. She'll make it close. She'll make it close. But even if she wins New Hampshire, that means nothing. Then he's going to go to South Carolina, beat her in her own state. And after South Carolina, hopefully everybody else will just endorse Donald Trump as our candidate on the Republican side. But here is uh, Trump speaking in Iowa yesterday, encouraging Iowa supporters to caucus. You know, it's very cold out there. Blizzard-like conditions, freezing in Iowa. But uh, these folks are ready to rock and roll. He was my guy, Donald Trump, speaking in Iowa yesterday. This, Lewis, is cut number three. So if you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden, you must go caucus tomorrow. First step, 
doing the first step. We're going to do it. We're going to do it big. You got to get out. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, Donna, even if you vote and didn't pass away, it's worth it. So Ron DeSantis spoke yesterday, and he said he's going to do well today. I don't know what do well means. I mean, if he gets uh, 20 and loses by 25 instead of 30, is that doing well? You know, they can never really enumerate whether it's Haley or DeSantis what doing well is to stay in this race, which is really been over, as I told you, since the day that Donald Trump stepped foot in East Palestine, Ohio, dating back almost a year ago. But he was on State of the Union with Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday, DeSantis saying, hey, we're going to do well. Okay, if you say so, Ronnie. Lewis, cut number six. We're going to do well on Monday. Uh, our voters are very motivated. This is, I think it's very hard to poll an Iowa caucus, a period, which the 16 poll was not accurate, um, predicted, but especially one in negative 20 degrees. And so these are folks who are very motivated. Our voters are very motivated. You, we have spent a lot of time in Iowa because we've gone door-to-door, getting people to commit to caucus to us. We've got a a huge number of people uh, that have committed to caucus, um, and we expect that these are the people that turn out. So there's a lot of excitement on the ground. We're in this for the long haul. We understand that you got to win a majority of the delegates. Uh, we understand that, that uh, there's a long process here, uh, but, but we're going to do well because because we've done it right, and our folks uh, are going to turn out. And I think that anyone that tells you that they can they can model exactly who's going to turn out in the broader electorate, uh, you just you, it's an unknowable. But I think with our folks, uh, they're committed. They're going to be there, um, and we're going to have a good night. Iowa poll, Trump 48%, Nikki Haley way back at 20%, that's 28 points. Ron DeSantis, this is just now, 16%. DeSantis, four points behind Haley and a whopping 32 points behind our friend Donald Trump. You know, every day this show gets more and more listeners. I I noticed in the last couple of months, my number still sucks. I'm not happy with it. But my Instagram followers since October, went from 8,000 to just over 14,000. And every day, we're getting more and more followers from New York to Florida to Israel. I compel you to follow me on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook is Sid Rosenberg. I do not X. I don't tweet. The biggest effing low lives on the planet are on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. I don't do it. I do somewhat truth social occasionally, Trump's social media platform, but mostly Instagram and Facebook. And I notice new rabbit fans every day. I'll shout them out today, for example, Annalise Delatore. Annalise Delatore down in Miami, huge fan, listens every morning and uh, watched us on Fox News with Brian Kilmeade on Saturday night. So thank you, Annalise. Okay, big, big show coming up this morning once again, MLK Day. Iowa Caucus Day, whole bunch going on. Janaya Butler, she'll be here today. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Steve Bannon, Nancy Mace. And it's been a while, folks. I can't promise you how this is going to turn out. I really can't. It's been a while. But the mayor, Eric Adams, coming up at 8.15 this morning. It's the MLK edition, the Monday edition. We're sitting friends in the morning. And we're coming back right after this.
handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. My girl Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac at 6.30 on your MLK Monday morning. Smaller audience today, guys, you know that. All the kids are off from school today. I never understood this one. (laughs) But the NBA, which I believe is like 91% black. There's like 10 white guys from, you know, like um, Croatia. That's basically, the rest of the league is black. They're all black, you know. And they all play today. I mean, if there's anybody who should be off on MLK Day, it should be the NBA. And every team plays. How does that make any sense? Well, uh, they're not uh, looking at it the way we would normally look at it. Oh, is that it? Like, what it is? Well, yeah. Should, well, I, mean, I mean, shouldn't, like, Julius Randle be at home and, you know, or just honoring Martin Luther King Jr.? I'm being serious. Or Jalen Brunson or any one of these guys? Your point's well taken. But I think they're thinking they're bringing... Um, more recognition to it by playing. No, and... stupid. Okay, well, that's stupid. I don't, I don't go to work right. on Yum Kipper. You don't right. go to work on, on Christmas. Christmas. I know. So why would African American people? And not that, not that MLK is just for black people. I mean, we all celebrate it, obviously, but should be home teaching their kids about it. I mean, not, the, not, not that they have to, because all kids learn about it in New York. It's about black history anyway. That's it. Sorry, Janaya, she's coming in in about 10 minutes, but that's it. Slavery, reparations, 
MLK, that's it. You'd never know there was a Holocaust or 9-11. Not in New York, you wouldn't know. But yeah. um, it was always odd to me. I don't know. Yeah, it's a federal holiday. That's for sure. I know. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's a big, pretty big day. It's a big day. Yeah. You know, talking about uh, federal holidays, a lot of people believe that the Super Bowl coming up on Feb 11 in Las Vegas should be a federal holiday. No one wants to go to work Monday morning after the Super Bowl. You're all drunk and and I was for years. I mean, I stopped drinking now, but I used to be hammered on Super Bowl Sunday. Hammered. And I covered that game for 17 years, mostly with um, Scott Kaplan, WFAM. But I traveled all over the country to cover that game. I even did one Super Bowl with Bernard. I convinced the powers that be here at WABC, specifically Craig Schwab and Chad Lopez, to allow me and Bernie to go to Atlanta and cover the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl when uh, Matthew Stafford was the, uh, excuse me, when Goff, who now quarterbacks the Lions, when Goff was the quarterback for the Rams and they lost to Brady and the Patriots, we were there. That was I think that was the last time we took this show on the road. And, of course, now I'm trying to get this Israel deal done today. But that was the last time I convinced ABC to let me and Bernie cover a Super Bowl. And it was the Rams and uh, the Pats. And what's interesting about that is, as I said, Goff was the quarterback for the Rams. And then eventually the Rams traded Goff to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Stafford went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl two years ago. And those two guys went head-to-head in Detroit, Rams and Lions, last night. And in the closest game of the weekend, the Lions survived a 24-23 nail-bite win And the Lions are moving on. And they're going to take on the winner of tonight's game in Tampa Bay between the Eagles and the Buccaneers. But the football weekend was interesting. I mean, a lot of people thought the Cleveland Browns, quarterback by the veteran Joe Flacco, were going to be really tough, tough exit. Joe Beningo on this show this week said he's got the Browns going to the Super Bowl. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. There's a kiss of death right there. Joe Beningo. Bro, I got the Browns going all the way. They got their asses kicked. What was Flacco doing? (laughs) C.J. Stroud and the Texans just hammered him. He just threw two really bad throws. Oh, Flacco? Oh, my God. Yeah, but on the flip side, that's true. And Houston's defense is real good. But how about this kid, Stroud? Unreal. This kid's a rookie. Unreal. He threw some beautiful balls on Saturday. How about the head coach? D'Amico Ryan's rookie head coach, Oh, not even close. You're 100% right, Justin. What a job he's done. So you got that. That was the early game on Saturday. Then the Miami Dolphins. And listen, the Miami Dolphins can't play football. Nobody can play football in minus 24 degrees, but specifically Miami. You know, I, I have friends and relatives in Miami. I talk every day to people in Florida. Going back to Sunny Isles to shoot Gravesend in March. It's like 80 degrees there. You can't play football in minus 24. Plus, I got to tell you, much like Dak Prescott, Tua, Hasn't won a big game yet. You know, the Dolphins come out every year with a rocket up their ass, and they blow out teams early, scored 70 against Denver, and they just they dissipate like a wet fart every year. <laughs> yeah. And they just they did nothing on Saturday. The Chiefs beat them easily. And then, of course, uh, yesterday was the shocker of all shockers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the stats, though, do you realize that, like, since week 12, Jordan Love, the quarterback for the Packers, 
threw 18 touchdowns and only one interception. Yep. The Packers have done an unbelievable, and, and I like Dallas, I'm not going to lie, but the Packers have done an unbelievable job with quarterbacks. Yeah. Brett Favre forever, Aaron Rodgers forever, and this kid, Jordan Love, is better than both of those guys yeah. as a rookie. And they blew the doors off the Cowboys. And I got to tell you who annoyed the hell out of me yesterday. Our old friend, uh, Kevin Burkhart. Shut up. He must have said ten times, Chris Libertini's buddy, what a fantastic job Mike McCarthy's done in Dallas. Fantastic. He should be fired this morning. Yeah. But are you a moron? I don't care how many games he wins during the regular season. Well, he's won 12 games three straight years. That doesn't mean dick. Your job is to win a Super Bowl. You know, the Dallas Cowboys have not been to the NFC Championship game in 28 years. Almost three decades. What do you mean McCarthy's done a fantastic job? He won one playoff game in three years. And the quarterback, Dak Prescott, he has not proven he can play well in a big game either. So if I'm Dallas, if I'm Jerry Jones, and Jerry's 81, he's still chasing Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, those Dallas Super Bowl teams. He ain't getting any younger. <laughs> hey, he looks like he's dying anyway. <laughs> that was great. I love when they, they pan to him oh, and, he, and he's God. free. He's like yelling at people in the box. Like I mean, yelling he's like at an people. angry old man. You know, I didn't see fat, <laughs> stupid Chris Christie there yesterday. You should do that with Jerry. But right. anyway, um, they got to fire McCarthy today and bring in Bill Belichick. Oh, that's, that's that easy, I guess. That's it. Yeah. That's what Parcells did. He went to Dallas. You just got to make sure your quarterback doesn't piss down his own leg in yeah. big games. Well, My Parcells God. had uh, Quincy Carter. And then Parcells was the guy that put in Tony Romo, but right. uh, they got to get rid of McCarthy. I, I don't care how many. Listen, and I say this to fans all the time: sports is not about regular season games. Dolphin fans used to yell at me all the time. We won more games with Marino. He never won a Super Bowl. He only went to one in his second year. Regular season wins, what does that mean? You play to win a championship. Oh, my God, it's on the Chrome Edwards. You play to win. Uh, and, and, and the Dallas Cowboys just don't do it. But what does he have to do with how they He's perform? the coach. Because so he, he gets paid to, for the team to win. That's his job. That's right. Don't ask me what does he have to do. I know he doesn't fumble. I know he doesn't throw interceptions. But he makes millions and millions of dollars for his team to win championships. And in three years, he's won one playoff right. game, and he got embarrassed yeah. at home yesterday. He so did. he's got to lose his job. The right. players got embarrassed. Does, does, yeah, you, but you don't fire all the play. players. Well, you fire the coach. And, and he didn't get him ready to coach. Okay. He deserves, based upon his team's lack of success in the postseason, as unfair as it seems, he deserves to be fired today. I agree. Today. I agree with that. Just is what it is. Okay, I got it. But, but you should. But the quarterback, they need but, to take a very good look at Dak Prescott. Of course, the players can't win. They did not execute at all. At like, all. Like the whole first half, they weren't even on the field. I know. That's that's ridiculous. Those six six six. Now, you know, all the all these teams terrible. All these teams that elect to play defense on that first possession. That's stupid too. Yeah. Because if you do what the Packers did, they get the football first. They scored right away. You take the ball. Put the exactly. You're, put the pressure yeah. on the opposition. You're home. Let's just play. By the time you get the kickoff in the second half, nobody cares. Right. Nope. You're home. Take the ball. Take the ball right. and go score. All of a sudden, you're down two touchdowns. It's yeah. Crazy. So what do we got? So we got. Um, so again, we we don't know who the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Texans are going to play until the Steelers play the Bills today. We know once again that the 49ers will play the Packers. 
and we'll find out who Detroit's going to play when the Eagles play the Buccaneers later on tonight. So there you have it. we got traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable. This is a great show every Sunday morning with my main man, John Katsimatidis. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. Every Sunday morning starting at 8, we'll listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with Senator Ted Cruz about the migrant crisis. The federal government has sued Texas for what they're trying to do to protect their own constituents. How is this going to sort itself out? Well, I think the only way it's going to sort itself out is to get a new president who will actually enforce the law. Uh, the scope of the crisis at the border, it really does defy words. Until you see it firsthand, as bad as you think it is, I promise you it is worse. I spend a lot of time down at the southern border. We have had 96 million illegal immigrants cross into this country under Joe Biden. It is over 10,000 people a day. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Joining us now, WABC radio host, Sid Rosenberg. Sid Rosenberg, great to see you. Number one in the mornings, big celebrity in New York. How do you feel about the city that you basically grew up in and live in, which seems to be a a uh, haven for pro-Palestinian protesters and Hamas sympathizers. Not seems to be, Brian. First of all, it's great to be here. It is. And we're losing this battle. They've got massive demonstrations almost every day. They shut down bridges and tunnels. And there's really very little we can do about it. We can arrest them once they do that. But I have to tell you that dating back to October the 13th, or six days after the tragedies that took place October the 7th, I had to make personal phone calls to the mayor, Eric Adams, the transit chief of police, Michael Kemper, the police commissioner, Eddie Caban, because I was right about myself and my own family. So this is not a small thing. Look, there's a lot of money behind these people, whether it's this Muslim group you just talked about moments ago or George Soros, not a bunch of ragtag losers. Some of them are. Same folks that demonstrated back in the summer of 2020, the Floyd summer. But a lot of these folks are paid. And this is a very dangerous time for New York City and the world. I would not look at this as no big deal. This is a big deal, especially for Jews in New York like me. Right there for my appearance on Brian Kilmeade's terrific show on Fox News, Saturday nights, One Nation. It's on after Mark Levin at 9. Levin texted me. He loved it. Brian Kilmeade, of course, follows me here on WABC 10 o'clock every weekday morning. He also was one of the three hosts every morning on Fox and Friends on Fox News. And, you know, he asked me, he said, look, these uh, these pro-Palestinians, these animals seem to take over certain parts of the city almost every day, and they do. You know, and we did make 334 arrests one day last week, which was a big deal, but they shut it all down. They don't care. They, uh, some of them, like I mentioned, are just losers. The same 
dopes that marched around in favor of that murder, uh, not murderer, but uh, the lower criminal, George Floyd, who was murdered, George Floyd, but it was a low life. Uh, these are the same people, but there's a lot of these folks that um, have, are getting paid. And whether it's this Islam group or George Soros, I don't know, but it's a, it's, it's a problem. It really is. And look, I remember the Friday after October the 7th, October the 13th to be exact, was the first time the Hamas leaders, six days after the Israel attacks, called for Global Jihad Day. You remember that? And my family was nervous. My wife, Danielle, my kids are like, Dad, you can't go into the city. I go, I have to. I got to do my show, you nuts. And I called Eddie Caban, the police commissioner. And he offered me a detail that day and days after because there was some genuine fear. There was. So it uh, it's not a small thing. And uh, we need to figure out a way to stop him. So the mayor, Mayor Eric Adams was not been on this show in quite some time. <laughs> He's going to make his return today. He'll be on at 8.15, big 8 o'clock hour, Mayor Eric Adams and Steve Bannon. And we got a lot to discuss, obviously. One of the things we'll talk about outside of Madison High School, that was a brutal story last week, where we are in this migrant mess, and how all of a sudden Eric Adams found money, which is good news to help out with the police academy come April and cops and firemen, is this curfew that they've now put on the migrants. What, uh, Noam Layden, the chief of uh, my news staff, Noam, what is the latest with the migrant curfew? So the curfew is going to begin tomorrow, and it'll be from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. It'll affect about 1,900 migrants in four shelters across the city. And these are some of the areas where neighbors had been complaining that migrants were panhandling, even going door to door, asking for money and for clothes. Well, this is out by me. You know, again, I live on the other side of the Mill Basin Bridge, the Gil Hodges Bridge, the Marine Park Bridge. I'm sorry. And uh, and I know that when I was at Crystal Springs, for example, during the Christmas New Year's holiday, people like Margaret Powers and Mary Glynn and others, Brian Sullivan, were sending me videos of a guy that was going door to door. Then Mary Glynn came on last week, and she runs the Rockway Republican Party and talked about a story where her friend Erin came home one day to find migrants in her living room. On the other side, on the Brooklyn side, it's even worse because now... You're hearing stories about these migrants stealing stuff from King's Plaza. And this other new scam they're talking about, which is the migrants will allow you to slam into them. (laughs) They stop short and then ask you for 500 bucks before they call the cops. And also panhandling, begging. So the idea that these are fine people and are worthy of your sympathy, and some of them are. Maybe the majority of them are. But there's enough of these people that are causing enough problems on the Brooklyn and Queens side by me, Mill Basin to Rockaway to Bell Harbor to Neponset, that has made Curtis Sliwa once again 100% right now. Yeah, well, I'm not clear exactly, and you can ask the mayor this, how they pick these four migrant centers as the ones that will be the initial ones to have the curfew. Maybe it's because... These were the ones with the most incidents. So there's one on 35th Avenue, Astoria, and Judo, which is, um, I don't think that's anywhere near you. And then there's one here in Manhattan, 110th Street. 
North Boundary Road. That's also in Queens. And then one in Brooklyn, 359 Stockton Street. So it'll affect 1900 to begin. Again, I think the question for the mayor is maybe these are the ones that had the most incidents. That's my guess. I will ask him that. Absolutely. Let's turn to Iowa. Donald Trump again. I read it off of MSNBC of all places. Monster lead this morning. Almost 30 on Nikki Haley. 32 on Ron DeSantis. You know, Nikki Haley was on Brian Kilmeade show right before me on Saturday night live from Iowa. And, uh, well, she's just so delusional. It, it, it's well, these people sound silly. I know they've got a race to run, and they're not going to say, I quit or I got no chance, but they sound so silly. I mean, Nikki may very well end up second here, and I really do think that Ron DeSantis will have to pull out before Nikki, but she's got no chance, I mean, no chance of winning this primary. What is the latest as we caucus today in Iowa? The weather is going to be the biggest story of the day because they had snowstorms over the weekend, dumped a ton of snow there. Some places, when they go to caucus tonight, it'll be 30 below zero. Well, that's almost what they had in Kansas City. That reached the Chiefs-Dolphins game on Saturday night with the wind chill, minus 27. So this will be even worse. Yeah, and here's the fear, right? Chief fans, you know, they're diehards, but you could get a ticket for $35 before the game on Saturday from fans who didn't want to sit in the stands. So same fear here is who won't show up and who will will show up. The thought is, is the Trump supporters are the most uh, dogged fans, and they will be the ones that will go even if it's 30 below. Oh, we'll but be there. We are rabid. That. We want to save our country. We'll be there. Yeah, and you have to, it's nighttime event. You know, you caucus, and then one person there's about 1,600 spots of Republicans who show up, and then there's a spokesman for each candidate. They give a speech, and then you vote. That's how it works tonight. This uh, douchebag, Mark Cuban, who uh, is Jewish and uh, did a nice job talking about Israel after October the 7th. That's fine. I think he sold the majority interest of his Dallas Mavericks NBA team, and now he just loves being on Shark Tank, you know. But he really is an asshole. I know Mark for years, and... He just is very, very impressed with himself. I get it. He's made a ton of money. He's the man, but just an annoying guy. And I believe that he's he's at the head of some, I don't know, some scheme to, to get Republicans to vote for Nikki Haley. In Iowa today, did you read about this over the weekend? Yeah, there's all kinds of, and it's hard to sort of sort through what's true and what's not. But for sure, there is a portion of the Republican Party that feels like they need to stop Donald Trump in Iowa. And for sure in New Hampshire, because they say once he goes through those first couple primaries, if he's a big winner, he'll be impossible to stop. So they're trying anything they can think of to get those Trump supporters to sit on their hands and not go out and vote and get the others like Nikki Haley to the poll or to the caucuses tonight. Are you excited about the start of the presidential election today? Oh, yeah, this is this is big. This is our Super Bowl. It doesn't get any bigger than a presidential election. And, yeah, because just like a sporting event, you really don't know what the outcome is going to be. The polls yeah. show something, but you never know. The polls sometimes are wrong. Sure. Um, the I, My guess is Trump will win big, but then, of course, if he doesn't win as big as the polls show, people will point at him and say, oh, maybe his support is soft. If he does win big, well, then the thought will be he's just going to run the table. Where's your guy today, Joe Biden? Joe Biden is, is uh, sitting home waiting for ice cream to come, whatever time that comes. <laughs> I think he's in Pennsylvania, right? 
Uh, you know, you know something I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure where he's yeah. supposed to be today. Yeah, I think he's in Pennsylvania. And Sid knows, but the president <laughs> doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. But uh, yeah, he's in Pennsylvania. All right, that wraps up what was a terrific hour number one. Really good hour number one. And brings us to the next three hours featuring a ton of great guests. Curtis Sliwa. Uh, we kick it off most mornings with the best. Curtis Sliwa comes your way next. Rich Lowry, Steve Bannon. Nancy Mace, and yes, the return of the mayor. The mayor is also going to be on with John and Rita this afternoon. I want to make that point. Adam's on with Katz and Cosby coming up at 5. Katz and Cosby also has Ben Carson. There's some whispers that maybe he's one of the guys up for the VP. I doubt it, but his name is in the mix. So both Eric Adams and Ben Carson coming up with Katz and Cosby. We'll get Eric Adams, the mayor, coming up at 8.15. Hour number two coming up on your Monday MLK edition of your favorite talk show, morning show in the country. That's us. We are sitting friends in the morning. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Ring, baby, Martin Luther King Day. That's uh, today. You know, I got to check. I, I just realized I'm taking the ferry home this afternoon, and it's probably weekend or holiday schedule. 15 minutes after the hour on the way to the city, 15 minutes after the hour on the way home, but I'll have to check that. I don't know what um, what the schedule is today. Well, it's usually 20 now after the going back. Wait, say that again, Lewis. I think it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Is that what minutes. it is? Okay. Yeah, it's been during the week like that, I think. Yeah, but even on uh, holiday schedule, you mean? I, I'm not, I don't know what it's going to be today. Ask um, your girlfriend, MJ. She's I'll like, text she her, knows yeah. all that stuff. She's great. Yeah, she's got the apps. <laughs> she's all over it, man. Updates me on what's going on in, like, Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah. uh, King would have been 95 years old today. He was born on this day back in 1929. But, of course, he uh, was killed 
God, 55 years ago, back in April of 1968, so he ain't 95 today. He died about, uh, what was he, 39, I think. So at any rate, we do celebrate today, and we will play the speech, part of the speech, I should say, every hour. I remember, before we get to Curtis, that I miss, I miss uh, who became such a pandering little bitch because of Rutgers and uh, hired Tony, uh, what was his name, Tony Powell? Powell. And he hired uh, Paul Carith Foster. <laughs> two very nice people, two very talented people, but they were only there because of what I missed did with Rutgers. It was clearly obvious, you know. <laughs> You're kidding. And then he would play the whole damn speech, 17 minutes. You know who loved that? Who loved that? Chernoff. <laughs> he probably did, Journey. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, it was brutal radio, and he would do it more than once. Uh, like 17 minutes? Uh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, so we take like 90 seconds, let freedom ring and all that good stuff, and it's a great speech, but you can't be playing 17 minutes on a radio show more than once a morning, and the Iron Man would do that, so... Anyway, God bless their soul, too. They're both gone. So we got a lot going on this morning. So moments ago, I'm talking to Noam because the mayor, Eric Adams, on this MLK Day, is coming back on the show. It's been a while since Eric has been on this show. So we were talking, Noam and I, about four specific migrant centers, one in Astoria, one uh, Lincoln, Manhattan, 110th Street, one respite center in Queens, and Stockton in Brooklyn. And no one wants to find out from the mayor why he specifically picked those four migrant centers for curfews. So in walks Curtis Sliwa. You know what Curtis is like? Years and years ago, you kids may be too young to remember this. But uh, I guess it was, uh, was it Reagan when he got shot? When Alexander Haig told everybody, I'm in charge even though he was not the vice president, he was yes. not in charge. Yes. Yeah. So Curtis uh, basically has assumed the role of mayor. So he got all offended. He walks by Noam and he goes, forget about asking the mayor. Why don't you just ask me? And what he means by that is he'll be honest and the mayor won't. I'm going to ask both of you. You right now, then the mayor coming up at 815. So with that said, here he is, the de facto mayor as far as he's concerned, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, why did Eric Adams pick those four specific centers for curfews? Well, first off, I'm going to be very nice this morning in honor of MLK, because I'm already hearing people saying, oh, what would MLK have said about gods and Israel? It's like, really? Please, stop. Enough of that. Please. Enough That's of right. that. Yeah, seriously. They always say, oh, what would he say? What would he say? First off, uh, I want to compliment uh, your friend, the city councilwoman of the Rockaways, Howard Beach, uh, and Broad Channel, and Ozone Park, Joanne Areola. What? Yes. Are you drunk? No. Uh, For bringing the issue to the mayor's attention and his staff. Apparently, she and her staff had a meeting. And she said, what I've been saying for many months, but hey, I want to give credit where credit is due. Joanne Ariola said, why aren't you imposing the curfews in the migrant camps that you do in a normal shelter? And the mayor's people said, well, we'll get back to you. We're going to, you know, discuss it, you know, with our entire apparatus. 
So they picked the four migrant camps that have nothing to do with your whole spiel about the Rockaways in Brooklyn and Floyd Benefield. All that I talked about with Brian Kilmeade on Fox News uh, uh, off the air, unfortunately, because I was ready to give Curtis Sliwa all this credit. Because while you're giving Joanne Arreola credit now, you know I love Joanne. I love her. And I was willing to let bygones be bygones when she initially came on and destroyed you saying things like, I don't get my news from radio hosts. You turned out to be right. But I was ready to make all those comments on Fox News. We never got there. But I did make those comments in the first segment, which is right by my neighborhood on the Queens and Brooklyn side. That's where a lot of these issues are coming from. Well, first off, let me compliment you on your satorial splendor on the Brian Kilmeade show. (laughs) Uh, Side note, since you have the mayor coming up, the New York Times did a full fashion piece on him. How many wardrobe changes he makes a day? Sometimes seven because he has that Chevy Suburban that we paid for. He's got all the clothes in the back, which I told you about a year and a half ago. Instead of them feeling like, good, you know, this was an analysis of what I wear. You know, I'm a metrosexual. Sid Rosenberg is a metrosexual. They claimed it was racist. It was racist. Calm down, Eric Adams. You get what they claim? Five pages in the New York Times on yeah. your fashionista statement. And the best part of it was... By the way, talking about fashionista, Roger Stone, who took over for Blackwell and does his 20 best dress, and I bitched about this last week because I was not on the list. Me or Bo Greg Kelly was number three in the country, Mayor Eric Adams. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the best thing about the New York Times piece is we found out who his tailor is, who uh, creates his customized suits. Believe it or not, it's a Turkish guy on Madison Avenue. When he was asked about the times, does the mayor pay for the suits? He says, I'm not at liberty to say. I am telling you, I'm going to those reporters, and I'm saying, uh, Adams and his supporters objected to that piece, which was a very good piece. I want you to do it on the other metrosexual, the peacock, with his Joseph Abud attire. You go to his house, if it isn't leaking, if the water isn't coming through, look at his wardrobe, look at his sartorial spine, look at him on Brian Kilmeade just this past Saturday night. And see, you that's the difference between you and Mayor Adams. You would love it. He says it's racist. That no, makes no it. sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. You know, I've got so much clothing now that you said that. Taught me to pick out what to wear. I look great on Kill Me Show. I did. I got a million compliments. But I've got so much clothing between Joseph Aboud and my dear friends Anthony and Louie at the garage in Brooklyn, where I buy all my stuff, that I actually use three closets. I use the oh. guest room outside of oh. Gabriel's oh. room. Oh. Oh. I use Ava's closet when she goes back to school oh. and my closet with Danielle you, to store all my stuff. Can you give me permission to do that? <laughs> The other thing about the New York Times that was great, and this is a lead-in to when you go down to Florida to shoot the Gravesend piece, you know, you're going to do that in March. They had a piece about hitmen in uh, in movies and hitmen in real life, and I said to myself, they got to include my dear friend, Sid Rosenberg, who when uh, Carrie Lake first walked in, and she didn't know you, didn't know me at all. She said, oh, my God, you look like a hitman. <laughs> well, what she did was she was in the green room with her husband and, and another guy. And I walked by a couple of times, and I was a little nervous to say hello to her at first. So she said to her husband, she goes, who's that guy that's walking in the hallways? He looks like a hitman. And her husband said, that's the guy you're about to go on with. And she and- goes, oh, my God. So she signed. That day she was promoting her book. 
along with Sergio Gore, who happens to be Trump's book publicist. Well, and she signed my book by saying, my favorite New York hitman, your friend, Carrie Lake. And I know they've done the HBO specials, they've done specials, but I think... You could be the modern-day uh, Jewish Richard Kalinsky, the Iceman. Remember, he lived with his family. He wasn't in, a good-looking guy. He was bald. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. He lived in a suburban setting in Dumont, New Jersey. Yes, you know, he the did. wife, the kids. Nobody assumed, although slick, skilled hitman. That's you. I'm telling you, you're on your way to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. When they want hitmen in Hollywood, they don't have enough of them anymore. Oh, you are you're the perfect one. I'm telling you, Sid, this is made for you. And by the way, uh, speaking of hitmen, I'm going to put a hit out on uh, guess who tonight. He's wearing his Eagles garb here. You're going down for the count, Justin Ellick. I don't think so. The George Norcross curse is upon the Eagles. They're going to lose to the Buccaneers. I don't think so. Until I mean, the Buccaneers are so bad. So I, I understand bad. that. But, uh, I mean, of late, how bad have the Eagles been? No, because they've been terrible. Look, if they lose tonight to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, who needed to beat Carolina, the worst team in football, to win the division and won 9 nothing, couldn't even score a touchdown. If the Eagles do lose this game tonight, then there's no arguing. Will you admit at that point, Alec, that Curtis has been right all along about this curse? Uh, do I have to? If they lose to the Buccaneers? Okay, fine. I'll That's a bad... The... Tampa Bay won the division exactly. by default. Exactly. I'll give him a firm handshake. And Jeffrey Lurie, the Jewish owner, tossed out George Norcourt for flying an Israeli flag <laughs> in his box while the Shamu Alefe, Chris Christie, was there cheering on the Cowboys. I will never forgive. Was I will Chris never forgive that. there yesterday cheering on the Cowboys when they took it in the ass from Jordan Love no, and the Green Bay no, Packers? No, and you said Jerry Jones is chasing Super Bowls. Wrong. He chases strippers and strip clubs, as you know. Come on. Get your sports straight here. But by the way, ask the mayor about the Turkish guy. Apparently he gives clothes away for free. You know, he does this out of the goodness of his heart. You could get a a whole brand new wardrobe. Well, it's funny you bring up something other than the migrant crisis or here you're talking about his clothing because my wife, Danielle, was watching a television show on Netflix last night. And the name of the show was, you ready for this? Yes. You are what you eat. And it was a bunch of really famous people that were talking about their diets. And I'm watching one of the football games. And Danielle screams, what is the mayor on? I go, tomorrow, why? She goes, he's on this TV show right now. This Netflix special, you are what you eat. And there's Eric Adams going over what he eats. So you got fashion stuff in the new york times he got a netflix show about what he eats none of this none of this affects any of the students at madison high school no <laughs> let's, let's get back to floyd benefield i want to be nice to the mayor he's got a problem at floyd benefield it rains it's in a floodplain. he didn't listen to me and others who said you can't put it there even even the coalition for the homeless and legal aid says you got to move these people out these women and children if he were to go there today in this kind of sub-freezing Arctic cold, simultaneous to what's happening in Chicago, where it's like 20 degrees below zero, and the Venezuelans are saying, no mas, no mas. And he was offering them one-way tickets from JFK back to, to Caracas. I've talked to these Venezuelans to a translator. They leave in a heartbeat. They can deal with the rain. They live in tropical circumstances. What they've never experienced before is cold like this, right off of Jamaica Bay. It's 20 degrees colder. If he went there this morning and said, hey, amigos, 
who wants a charter flight back to Caracas, but he leaves today. You got to get up your gatherings. There'd be charter flight after charter flight after charter. Take advantage of this weather. The Venezuelans can't deal with this. I'm telling you, Sid. I'm doing a favor to your mayor. It's like the Dolphins trying to play a football game in Kansas City. Now, let's move, though. From Floyd Bennett Field. But once again, Curtis, and I love Joanne Ariola. Being nice today, being nice No, today. no, you were, you were right from day one. I love Joanne, but you were right from day one. By the way, can I compliment the NYPD on MLK Day? Are you sure you're not drunk? No. Uh, two <laughs> retired police officers, remember, were visiting the home of MLK, and somebody tried to burn it down, and they stopped the arsonists. I know. We need to applaud them. Applaud them. Wait, wait a minute. I'm taking these nice you are, pills. I mean, you know what it is? What, what, what are you Because I went to the dermatologist because I'm in the midst of a scratch-a-thon. <laughs> yeah. And she's sitting there, and she's giving me prednisone, prednisone. They're smearing it all over my body. That's steroids. And then she says, and what else are you taking? I give her the list. And I said, you know, my very dear friend Sid Rosenberg suggested that I use ivermectin. That's right, yes. And she said, what do you have, syphilis, VD, crabs? No, you scabies. Yeah, yeah, meantime, she said, you know what you're going to get from that? You're going to be confused. There's going to be swelling on your face, your lips, your tongue. What kind of a freaking <laughs> friend are you? Sid Bozart, people won't even meet with me now. All of a sudden, they'll say, we'll do a Zoom conference on the illegal alien invasion, but I'm, we don't want you around in person. I apologize. But look, the, the fact is that whatever you're taking is more like, I'm going to go with um, ecstasy. For you to be complimenting my friend Joanne. Oh, Molly Ecstasy. Yes. Wow. Now the NYPD. Special I mean, K. I said nice things about Michael Kemper and Eddie Caban on the Kill Me Show on Saturday night. But I want to move from the migrants yes. in uh, Brooklyn, Floyd Bennett. Can I give you breaking news first? Quick, quick yes, breaking news. Give us news a breaking, breaking news. This is all going to see, you know. This breaking news because I was under the impression after the amazing job that you did again, once again, Curtis, and the Rebels, and Louis Gellarmino, and all those folks, I was under the impression that the migrants, the illegals, whatever you want to call them, would never be anywhere near Staten Island. And what is the breaking news? Well, yesterday, Father Hank uh, was uh, talking to his parishioners at St. John's Church on Staten Island, and he says, we have some young men coming who want to live with us. And the parishioners were saying, uh-oh, don't tell me. You're not going to be dropping illegal aliens on us. Yes, they're from Somalia, and we're moving them in right on Bay Street, north shore of Staten Island, in the Canterbury House. Wait a second, there are senior citizens in the Canterbury House, males and females. And they say, you're not going to kick them out like they did over in Midland Beach at the senior citizen home when Eric Adams kicked them out to make way for the migrants, including veterans of World War II and the Korean War. He said, no, we're not kicking them out. We're going to mix them in. So guess what? The war is on. I was a nice guy early on. If Eric Adams tries to put illegal aliens back on Staten Island, that's it. I'm going to uh, talk with Vito Fasella, see what he has up his sleeves. As you mentioned, Mark Fonte, uh, Jeromino, Louis Jeromino, the best legal team at dealing with this. And, of course, the rebels that I lead with uh, John Tobacco and Scott Lobato. No. No, a thousand times no at the Canterbury House right there on Bay Street. You can't even handle what you got. 
And how dare you, Noam Layden, not come to the real mayor in exile when you're talking about the four migrant centers that have a curfew. 110th Street, what's 110th Street? As Sid has pointed out many times, I did a video, millions of hits of an African-American woman in distress sleeping on the bench, Central Park North, a block away, while he was putting Venezuelans in there, riding around on their motorbikes in their Vespers, terrorists, domestic terrorists, while his own people were languishing African-Americans in their own excrement and urine, hopelessly emotionally disturbed. I was nice enough this morning. It's back to war, Sid Rosenberg. So enjoy your sensorial splendor with your fellow metrosexual, Eric Adams, and tell him, hey, how can I get free suits there from that Turkish uh, customized suit maker right there on Madison Avenue? WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. What's it ring? And I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Believer, dream. I had a dream. Martin Luther King, and we are celebrating the great MLK today. Today, his birthday would have been 95 years old, but he's been dead now for the better part of 56 years. April will be 56 years since his tragic assassination in the great state of Tennessee, which Larry's going to join us next. We've got a very big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Steve Bannon. And, of course, uh, Bannon, as close to Trump as anybody, Trump in Iowa, that caucus today and earlier in the hour, coming up in about 35 minutes, making his return. It's been a while. The mayor, Eric Adams. So we get Eric Adams at 815, Steve Bannon, 845. Looks like we've avoided another government shutdown. We'll talk to Nancy Mace coming up at 915. And, of course, we'll talk to Rich Lowry. He uh, he coming up next. Well, how about all that? You like that, uh, Louis B? I love that because I love Larry. You love Larry? I love him. What do you love so much about him? He's very nice. He's concise. He's smart and funny. He is all those things. You're right. But he, <laughs> we do run the risk of him not calling in because for some reason people think I'm not on today. Like Steve Bannon sent me a text last night. I'm like, of course, are you on today? He goes, yes. I go, well, so am I. 
Janaya Butler missed her spot about an hour ago. And usually, which Lowry calls by now, and he hasn't. Yeah, strange. So don't assume I ever take off. Ever. There he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so we'll take a break. <laughs> we'll come back. we got four great guests. Oi. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I think you figured out the theme for today. This is Dolores Weirton. Today is her heavenly birthday. She died on this day, the Cranberries. She, she was a great singer. Play this. The name of this song is Dreams. On this, I had a dream day. I'm okay. Take it away, Dolores. was so good. So before I get to Larry, Alec, again, donned in his eagle stuff. That's good. That's fine. Yeah. Got big game tonight against the Buccaneers, and I think Philly will win as bad as they've been because Tampa Bay's awful. Knock on wood. And they'll take on the Lions and lose. But he, um, you know, he goes out and gets us breakfast every day. And Not what I do now. No, he didn't do anything wrong. Oh, okay. But I've been on a... Um, he assumes he did something yeah, wrong. Yeah, he did not. It's amazing. For like the last month, I've been, uh, thanks to my beautiful wife, Danielle, she's got me on this uh, pretty strict program, which I've included a lot of cardio now. With my weightlifting, I mean a lot. I'm doing these uh, Peloton classes at home with some annoying British girl who's, you know, weighs about 80 pounds soaking wet. She's cute, I guess, but doesn't shut the F up, and she probably despises everything about me, but... I get a good sweat in for 30 minutes three times a week. Right. And, uh, and my diet has changed. Oh, clearly. And I, and I did notice that uh, on Kill Me Show Saturday night, I looked spectacular. You did. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've been getting cheese on my morning sandwiches. No bueno. And turkey. Uh, so today I go to Alec, I go, just get me six egg whites, and you looked like I spit in your face. Well, because I've never heard of anything so ridiculous in my What are life. you talking about? Six egg whites? Yes, How are you fit that's, six that's, egg whites on one bagel? So Peter Gordio eats. That's what uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger eats. Well, I'm telling you right now, I wasn't stand, sitting over the counter counting how many egg whites. I asked for six egg whites. You think I got four? I think you got as many fit on the bagel. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, there's a maximum, and that maximum is not six. That's funny. Was yeah. it? Was it? More money or less money or the same? No, today? It, was, it was less. It was less. cheap. Right, there's no cheese or turkey or anything. Right, and no egg yolk. That's where all that's. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
I mean, it's fine. The, the, the best part of the sandwich is the bagel, scooped out, toasted, everything bagel. Well, you essentially ate a, a pocket well, of, of air. That's what you fine. ate this morning. Okay, you, well, you, you, when you get to be my age, <laughs> if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. Yeah. And you want to maintain whatever decent looks you try to screw up every day as it is now. <laughs> maybe you'll eat the same way. You know? Okay, fine. fine Stop fine, growing fine. stupid facial hair and yeah. the rest of that stuff. I'm just trying you, to figure out what works. Dumb kids I'm not go. allowed to figure out what works. No, nothing's working for well, you. Well, because I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. It's a process of elimination. All right. Well, just remember all these conversations. I'll be dead, of course, but remember these conversations. I'll <laughs> be dead when I figure I'll it out. That's how, that's how long it's going to take. Yeah. Hey, who's that? That He looks so cool in that eagle shirt. Yeah. Let, maybe I should buy him a drink. Yes. Remember when I, remember when I got, uh, I missed to go see my trainer, Cynthia Condi, and Astoria Lewis? Yes. You remember that? Yes, I do remember that. He used to train with Cynthia every day. She's like, hey, you think I missed will do it? And he was like into working out. He used to, in fact, he used to bitch and complain if he went on the road, he had to have a, a, a treadmill yep. in his room. Yeah, they had the hotel had to put a treadmill. Yes, it, it's, and they did it because they were terrified of Imus. They had to play the Martin Luther King speech. Too, <laughs> <while he was laughs> working, okay. All 17 minutes. Yes. With that said, here he is, a great Monday morning guest, the editor of the National Review. You see him everywhere, political, NBC. A lot of his columns are syndicated right here with the New York Post. He's our dear friend, Rich Lowry. Good morning, Rich. They said, you know, the, the secret of Peloton, you got to do it with the sound down. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying what oh. they say. And they, they say all the same stuff. You know, your life is changing if you just, you know, turn it up to 80 or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, just just uh, just turn, do it with sound down. And when they stand up, you know, stand up. You know, you know what it is? I, I'm a pretty happy guy. I really am. And um, people, for the most part, love me. For the most part, they love me. Not everybody. Um, but these people... Like this girl, I like this girl, and there's another one I I, I do also. Jessica Sims is on this. Uh, no, no, I know her too, by the way. <laughs> but but they're like so happy. It's like it was like Al Roker oh, yeah, yeah. used to be when he was fat. Now he's not so jolly anymore. <laughs> but you, you, know, you know, nobody wants to see the the jolly weather guy at four o'clock in the morning on a, on a twenty nine degree day be miserable. <laughs> so I have to get through this so happy part. And then she actually is a pretty good motivator. But talking about Al Roker and 29-degree day, do you know that in Mason City, Iowa today, Mason City, Iowa, the minus real 30. field temperature will be minus 39 degrees. There you go. All those That's rural cold. areas in Iowa where those Trump supporters are many have not been plowed yet, according to some of my friends. Mm. So it's going to be difficult for these people to caucus. I don't think it matters. I think he's just such a big lead. He's going to kill DeSantis and Haley anyway. But can you see the weather posing a threat to Trump's victory in terms of points? Maybe. Maybe it holds down the margin some. But I, I just think, you know, you look at the polling, and his supporters are so committed. They're so enthusiastic. Assuming that it's just it's physically possible to get to a caucus site, they're getting there. I think the person who is in, in most danger of uh, her result being really affected is, is Haley because her people are less committed. They're less enthusiastic. Half of them are Democrats or independents. So she could slip behind DeSantis. Not that it's going to matter. I mean, it, you know, all the points suggest they'll be clustered around 20 percent. And and that I don't think that's going to be enough for for DeSantis to have a plausible campaign going forward. She'll still have a shot in New Hampshire, but um, all indications, every single poll is consistent. Trump is going to stomp. DeSantis will be done after today. Bottom line, he's going to lose by 30, 20. He's done after today. I doubt he wastes his time in New Hampshire or South Carolina, but he may. But let's let's assume he gets hammered today, which he will, and he's done. 
Where did Ron DeSantis go wrong? He was the governor of Florida. That was the one state uh, that did it right during COVID. I know Trump yep. has since gone up on him, but where did it go wrong for Ron DeSantis? I think there there have many things. The two things I would mention was his strategy, which I supported and seemed to make sense to me, was to go into the center of the party, not the center of the party ideologically, obviously ran to the right, but the, the center of the party were, you know, mega voters that maybe, you know, a little, little this way and that on, on Trump um, and win them over and then get all the non-Trump voters, leave them no alternative but to come to him, and then boom, he has a plurality and you know, m- m- maybe he can get a chance at 50% places. The problem is there, there is no moving those MAGA voters, once, especially once Trump was in, indicted. And then Nikki Haley swept up all the non-Trump voters, so he's left with 15%. Um, and then the second thing, just obviously, you know, I don't say this in a harsh way, but he doesn't have it. He's never met it. He's never been with 100 miles of it. You know, he's, he's extremely well prepared. He's smart. He knows what he's talking about, but utterly charmless. Just utterly. He's not said one funny thing on the campaign trail. Donald Trump in an average rally says 10 funnier things than Ron DeSantis has ever said in his life. And you don't necessarily want a, a funny president, but it's, it's part of what makes someone an alluring personality. You know, and he, just, he just doesn't have it. He smiles at, at the debates. My daughter asked me the other day, she was watching some of the last debate, Daddy, why is, is Ron DeSantis' smile look so weird? And it's because it was fake. Every single smile yeah, was fake. You know, and fake. people can feel that. Then I would add in also just the, the everything he said was calculated. Same thing with Nikki Haley. Everything she says is rehearsed. And and that's just such a contrast with Trump, you know, who's fearless, who's funny, who's spontaneous. And I was looking at a CBS national poll or no ABC national poll uh, by overwhelming margins. Republicans think Trump is the, is has the best chance to, to beat Biden. He has the best experience. And he's a strong leader. And those three attributes are absolutely key. And, and he's, you know, 68 and Ron DeSantis is 11. So um, he put it all together. And that's that's where he. I'm surprised. The, the last point you made surprised me because for the longest time, Republican voters seem to think Nikki Haley's got the best chance to beat Biden. I've, I've met people who are otherwise very nice people and smart people who sound stupid. I mean, what good is it if Haley could beat Biden? If you don't win the NFC championship game, you can't get to the Super Bowl. She can't beat Trump. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, who cares if she can beat Biden if she can't beat Trump? Yeah, well, that, that's another big thing, the electability argument. They all figured that's the that's the best case to make, make against Trump because you're not saying he's a terrible person. You're not saying he's a bad president or any of that. You're just saying, uh, you know, we, we like the guy, great policies, but it's not, it's not going to be possible for, for him to get it done. And whatever it was, I, I forget, you know, four months ago, five months ago, but when the, when the polling just showed – Trump really strong against Biden. There's just no way to make that argument anymore. And that was another another big factor. Totally agree. Now, they cannot make that argument uh, anymore. Donald Trump. And what's amazing, too, here, when you think about it, Rich, is he spent two days in court, two days in court last week. And then he goes to Iowa. And once again, Saturday night, he sets the place on fire. Complete contrast to Ron, where he's got the crowd laughing I mean, I know we talk about him all the time as being the energizer bunny, and we say all these things about him, but to actually see it now, we talked for months about what's it going to be like. This guy's going to go to court for different cases day after day and then go campaign. Well, we yeah. saw some of that the last couple of days. I'm astonished. Yeah, well, it, uh, after this the debate last week between Haley and DeSantis, which was not much to write home about, I, I was watching Fox at 9. I, I often watch the top of America's newsroom just to see, okay, this is what they consider the most important news of the day. And it was all courtroom. Uh, all, no, no mention of the debate. 
all courtroom. And my wife was there, and I was, I was like, look, it's, it's, they're, they're not even mentioning the debate. She said, why does Fox, you know, not like Alien DeSantis or whatever? I said, no, 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 watch. CNN will be the exact same thing. Turn over CNN courtroom. <laughs> so someone of the DeSantis operation was telling me there's some – I'm going to mess up the exact numbers. There's some media tracking thing they do where you see mentions, and then it calculates what, how much it would cost you to get that level of attention. And they said on a good day, DeSantis gets like $5 million. Sorry, on an average day, maybe about $5 million. On a good day, $8 million. On a bad day, Trump's getting $60 million. And on a good day, he's getting $100 million. And that's another thing. He just dominates the attention space just the way he has since 2016 and since he's been a national political figure. Well, two or three people on the show last week, uh, from Judge Jeanine Pirro to uh, Roger Stone. Roger Stone on Friday said, Sid, it's done. It's done. Barack Obama sat down with Biden last week. This is true. And he told him, you're finished. It's over. Uh, it will not be Biden-Harris. Write it down now. The Democrat ticket in November, and it's done already, is Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom. Again, Judge Nimpiro seemed to think that would be the case. Others seemed to be that would be the case. Roger Stone said Friday, Sid, trust me, that is the case. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be Biden-Harris, unless Biden falls down in a terrible way or there's some health event. I just think, don't think he wants to go. Uh, I don't think he wants to leave. He thinks he's the only guy who can beat Trump. He's delusional, but that's what he thinks. There's no way to leverage but, but, him but, 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 but doesn't he take yeah. just about all of his orders from Barack since he won? I mean, Barack is going to tell him, you only won because of me. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, obviously he's an important voice, Obama, but there's a lot of tension there. Uh, Obama and his people kind of thought Biden was an idiot, you know, for understandable reasons. <laughs> yeah. and Biden felt, you know frozen out at various times. And, um, you know, when you're president of the United States, you think, even if you're a moron, you think you're a genius. You know, you got to the most important position in the planet. And so you must have something on the ball. And I'm sure that's what, what Biden thinks. So uh, and switching them out, I don't even know how it would work. You know, this would happen like after the Democratic primaries and the convention would decide. I mean, that, that would be chaotic and risky. So I think they're, you know, they're in with this guy and he has a 33 percent approval rating and they're taking a normal, enormous risk with their party and, and with the country. Because this guy's getting elected. You know, he's going to die at some point in office. We're going to have some constitutional crisis. Jesus. Well, we got that to look forward to, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Happy MLK Day. Uh, Rich, <laughs> yeah, as always, uh, great job. Really great. Thank you so much. Have a great week. How would you like the uh, football? So I, I thought it was great. I mean, look, I, I'm a giant fan, so I love watching Dallas lose. And this yeah. is not just a loss. This was so humiliating that I got to think, I don't care how many regular season games McCarthy's won. He's won 36 in three years. He's got to go. You got to win playoff games. So yeah, that was a seven nothing and a half. I mean, come on. Um, well, they actually scored a touchdown right before halftime. So oh, yeah, it was 27 yeah, seven. Right. You yeah. know, the, the Lions win over the Rams was great. I was, I was surprised that the Texans blew out the Browns. I thought Joe Flacco was going to do something special. Yeah. And, uh, Kansas like City, Miami was drives. easy. He was. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was yeah, good even the blowouts, the blowouts were entertaining or kind of fun, and, and the Lions game uh, last night was great. Yeah, and then we got uh, two more games today because of the snow. You got Bills and Steelers at 4.30 and Buccaneers and Eagles later on tonight. So all good. I, I, love, I love weather football, so I wish they'd played the Bills game yesterday, but I guess it would have been extreme. It was just too much. I mean, of course, we, I mean, John Madden, we all love that. The snow, the dirt, the mud, all that, but... Yeah, you couldn't see it literally a foot in front of you. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, I love you, Rich. Great All job. Right, Thank have you. Have a great week. You too. Rich Lowry, editor, National Review, and uh, does a really tremendous job on this program every Monday. That was one of uh, one of the best moves we ever did 
was convincing Rich to show up every Monday, and the guy's a great friend as well. So thank you, Rich. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Mayor Eric Adams and Steve Bannon both stopping by. Dolores, Cranberries, Dreams. WABC. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and singing the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Every time that I look in the mirror, all these lines in my face getting clearer. The past is gone. Stephen Tyler and Aerosmith dream on. I had a dream on this MLK Day here in New York and around the country. The late, great Reverend Martin Luther King would have been 95 years old today, but of course, he was assassinated back in 1968. April will be 56 years since Dr. King was assassinated. He would have been 95 today, so happy birthday to MLK. We celebrate today. We've had some Great guests. Well, I've guests all day long. In fact, my next guest will be a guest twice on this station with me, coming up with me next, but also with Katz and Matidis, Katz and Cosby at 5, 
He is the mayor of New York City. I just saw him, in fact, last Wednesday night. He looked great as always. So here he is, Mayor Eric Adams. Mr. Mayor, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hey, Sid, how are you? Uh, you know, happy, reflective Dr. King Day. Uh, the uh, Sunday on my uh, morning radio show, I had the opportunity to sit down and speak with Dr. Clarence B. Jones. Uh, he was a legal counsel, strategic advisor, and speechwriter for Dr. King, you know, Vanity Fair called him the man who kept King's secrets. You know, he's now with an organization called Spill the Honey, a foundation uh, dedicated to black Jewish relationships. And it's just an amazing man. He's over 90 also. And I really enjoyed my conversation with him. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, look, you're African-American, but you get along with everybody. You certainly care about the Jewish people. I could attest to that as a Jew myself. This is such a lame question, Eric. I know it is, but it's obligatory, and everybody is going to ask you this today, so I hate doing it, but I almost have to. And that is, ready for this? How would Dr. Mm-hmm. King feel today about where we are with race and blah, blah, blah? So let me get it out there so I make everybody happy. Mr. Mayor, how would Dr. King feel today? Well, I, I don't think uh, that is a, a blame question. I, I think that no different than, you know, uh, as we celebrate other days, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, we say, what are you giving thanks for? You know, Christmas time, uh, what is your reflection on, uh, you know, uh, Jesus Christ? So I think that question is actually a good question because it it makes us reflect and it makes us pause for a moment and don't take the holiday or the acknowledgement that's just a day off and sort of re, you know, bring it back and say, okay, where are we right now? So I, I see it a different way, and I'm glad you asked that. I think it would be troubled uh, by what we're seeing. Um, we're seeing a global shift of human beings that are leaving uh, their, uh, their homes because of climate conditions, because of wars, because of violence. Uh, I think he would be... Uh, really troubled by uh, the brutal attack um, that 100 yesterday was 100 years, 100 days that passed by and hostages are still not released. Uh, so I think that he would look at the globe and see that we have made some great strides, and we should be clear on that because just as we acknowledge the troubling spots, we have to acknowledge the strides, and we've made some great strides here in the city and across the entire globe. Uh, but the dream is not realized. Uh, we need to actualize that dream that he talked. He talked about. And I think we can closer. Um, you know, you look at just the interaction relationship that you know we have. Uh, if you go back during the time uh, Dr. King was together, that relationship was not so much a reality. Although Jewish community and African American community uh, fought side by side during the civil rights uh, uh, era. You know, even when you look at Sid in Mississippi. Um, when uh, many young whites uh, went to Mississippi uh, to fight against racism, 50% of them, over 50% of them were young Jewish students and young right. Jewish people, you know. And so I think we've made strides, but there's more strides to make. I think that's a very, very fair statement and accurate. I mean, uh, just from a political standpoint, not race, just uh, Wednesday night at the uh, Hunt and Fish Club, there I was on stage. To my right was... 
was a young lady, Jen Rajkumar, a Democrat. To my left was a very handsome mayor, also a Democrat. And here I am, a Trump-supporting Republican right in the middle. So uh, clear, and we got along great, and we always get along great. So clearly, whether it's race or color, political preference, we can have that. But I would ask you this, Eric. I know your friends with Sharpton. I don't like him. Bad guy. All right? He just wants people's money. I don't like him. You like him? That's fine. Is there anybody in the black community today, and don't tell me Al, that, that, that compares to King? Is there a Reverend Martin Luther King in the black community today that could explain to, example, black kids who are picking on, you know, uh, uh, Orthodox Jews all over Brooklyn? That's not the right thing to do. Well, I, I, you you say you know your your reason for liking or disliking uh, Reverend Sharpton. Uh, you know, I've been in intimate settings with Reverend Sharpton throughout the years, and you know, probably different from the personal, uh, the public uh, persona that people show and how it's reported. And I know the depth of his concerns and how much uh, he is really true uh, to the movement. But there's there there are many many more that don't get the same notoriety or a great orators like uh, Dr. King was that are doing it every day, uh, healing. You know, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. J- uh, Dr. Clarence Jones, you know, his organization, Spill the Honey Foundation, is actually dedicated uh, uh, to that. Uh, how do you uh, re- really remind us of the long relationship that African-American and Jewish of, of people have had for so many years. And I think that's a mistake we made. We thought it was going to be an automatic continuation of an understanding of that deep relationship when we did not nurture it. Any relationship, I don't care if it's a marriage, a partnership, you have to constantly nurture that. And that is what I'm calling for uh, in 2024, uh, that we need to nurture those relationships because you're right. To stand next to Jennifer Kamal, who... Mother was born in a mud hut in India, uh, and then um, I'm standing to the right of you. Uh, we know my mom cleaned houses and um, what she did, and your powerful story that many people I don't think know. Uh, we are the American dream, and that room was filled with diversity also. Uh, you know, that was not possible years ago. We have to nurture these amazing relationships that we have and allow people to see them. And so what do we disagree? You know, that's what I love about our relationship. You know, you and I would sit down and talk about different uh, policies and, you know, what you believe in. But that's the beauty of America. We're not supposed to agree, you know, but we're not supposed to be disagreeable. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that's what's great about this country. In other places, you can't disagree. <laughs> you know, no, they'll kill you. Had it. Yeah, they'll kill you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, listen, I mean, look, the, the, the migrant issue I call the illegal issue, you and I have disagreed quite a bit. I mean, I will say this, okay? Um, you didn't cause this. Joe Biden caused this. And you have been clear about, I guess clear, when you blame the federal government, the national government. But here's why I'm going to admit I got upset with you. A couple of weeks ago... You're out there, and you publicly support Joe Biden. Eric, I don't get it. You have said time and time again, the federal government, that's being nice. This is Biden, his open border, his policies. He undid everything Donald Trump did well. Do you know, Mr. Mayor, that in four years, four years, I did this show with Bernard. I never said the migrant word once, not once, when Donald Trump was president. Joe Biden screwed you. He screwed this city. Why are you so quick to support him in the next election? Don't support Trump. That's fine. But Biden, he's the guy that caused all this. 
Well, I, I think that if you look um, at some of the court decisions that were lifted, you know, su- that were put in place around COVID, uh, you know, the Band-Aid, I would like to say, you know, we put we placed a Band-Aid on immigration reform under the uh, Trump years. He was able to limit access uh, to the country uh, because of COVID. And that was a Band-Aid. We need real immigration reform. And well, wait, wait, wait. In all, hold on. In all fairness, COVID came the last six months, Eric, of Trump's presidency for three and a half years because of his, his uh, remain in Mexico policy and, quite frankly, being a tough guy. Unlike Biden, it wasn't COVID. That came the last six months of a four-year presidency. He had three different – he did have the COVID thing in place. You're right, Title 42. But remain in Mexico kept these people out of here. That had nothing to do with COVID. And and we need to we need to look at you know those forms of how do you remain in place and there was a, there were examples of that even under this administration. But see what I'm what I'm saying is that those were band aids. People were sl- uh, sneaking in across the border at different uh, places. Of you know we can't have a band aid approach. Congress and the White House must come up with real immigration reform to address this issue. And and no matter who it is, I just cannot subscribe to what I think is anti-American dream. People coming to the country don't have the right to work. You know, if we're going to parole people in, because people often talk about the illegals, no, we're paroling them in. If we parole people into the country as asylum seekers, we need to expedite it faster. We need to give them the right to work, and we need to have a decompression strategy that it does not impact just local cities and municipalities. Well, let's talk about local cities and municipalities, and we'll move off this relatively quickly. But this is the big story. This is, in my opinion, Eric, the the issue that's going to get you reelected or not. And, And that is what happened last week when the city decided to house some of the migrants at Madison High School. Now, you know I grew up at uh, 2216 Quentin Road, Eric, which is literally two blocks away from Madison. My mother went to Madison. Two of my three sisters went to Madison. My family has a rich history there besides, you know, Bernie Sanders and Chuck Schumer, my cousin Norm Coleman. And I know a lot of people right there, Bedford Avenue, Kings Highway, and they were furious. You know that. They're like, what do you mean? My kids have to stay home? We already know from COVID that Zoom doesn't work. Staying home doesn't work. So now the kids got to stay home because my kid's high school is going to house these people who aren't even here legally yet in the first place? What's your answer to them? Well, well first, um, we need to, you know, really end the conversation that they're here illegal. They were paroled into the country. They went through the procedure that the government put in place. So that's the first part of it. They're not illegal. The second part of this, I've been doing this uh, for, you know, over 30 years, and I know this, and I'm sure you know it, uh, how we use school builders, which are part of community resources. Are we saying if there was a major fire in that community with tenants and housing people uh, were displaced, that we would not open our school building to allow them to be housed? We did it after the fire up in the Bronx. Um, when I first took office in 2022, January, we placed the people in the school building. We do it after building collapse, like we did in the Bronx where the building collapsed a few weeks ago. We placed them in school buildings. Major floodings, uh, major catastrophes. We utilize school buildings, gymnasiums, and auditoriums to stabilize the situation. So we cannot say as a country that if it happens, but the children are migrants, 
we can allow them to use the same methodologies that we use when we have destabilizing situations. And so to to say that it's not that was not the 500 plus students that attend and their family. And one young girl said it clearly. She said, "Wait a minute, we did remote learning for a whole year. We can't do it for one day for other children." That is not who we are as a city. It's not who we are as a country. There was nothing unique about the utilization of a school building that we've always used during the course of crises. And they weren't there for two days and three days. They didn't even stay the entire night because I stayed there that that, that entire uh, night until they decided to return them to the shelters. So they weren't there the whole night. The principal made the call. The principal, we didn't mandate it. She said, that I'm not sure if we would be able to get the classrooms open in time. Um, I'd rather the students do remote learning. And you know what else said that was not reported? Other teachers called her and said, can we come and help you with these students? Because there's some of us in the city that see children as children. We don't see them as migrants. We don't see them as those people. We don't see them as aliens. We see children as children because the children today are going to be the leaders tomorrow, and they're going to look back on this moment. I'm, I am pissed off and angry about what is happening to our city, and I'm blamed. I'm blamed for the buses. I'm blamed because I don't control the borders. I'm blamed because of the resources that's hit it. I'm blamed for that, and I got to take that blame because I'm the mayor of the city, and I got to navigate us through this, but I got to do with the level of humanity that we did it in Ellis Island, that we did it to the Ukrainian citizens, that we did it with the Afghanian citizens, that we did it with all of us that came to this great country. I got to live up to that expectation. That's not easy. Mayor Eric Adams are with me right now. Very honest conversation, Mayor. Uh, these four centers you picked, Astoria, Manhattan, and uh, Queens, and Brooklyn, Stockton, for the curfew. You know, where I live, you know where I live, you've been to my house, uh, in my neighborhood. Uh, it's been an issue, the migrants. Uh, they have, uh, there's been issues at King's Plaza. There have been issues, traffic incidents, right on the Flatbush Avenue side of Brooklyn. Uh, I had one lady call me last week, Eric. She actually runs the Rockaway Republican Club. Her friend came home one night and found two migrants sitting on her couch, uh, panhandlers and begging. All this is going on right by that bridge, Gil Hodges Bridge, on my side in Queens and right over the bridge in, uh, bridge in Brooklyn. And those folks don't understand how you came up with the criteria for those four centers having a curfew and not any places by us. What was the criteria behind those four choices? Well, it was the beginning of a rollout of the process. Uh, I believe that we should have uh, curfews uh, just as we have at the other uh, shelters as part of our DSS, our regular uh, shelter system. Uh, We should not allow people to uh, come all times of the night, and we're going to continue to roll out. Uh, our goal is not to harm communities. You, I don't know if you recall, I said a few months ago uh, that the visualization of, of this crisis is going to start uh, to be displayed. We have, uh, said, we have 168,000 migrants, and probably as we speak, we're going to go over 170. We're getting anywhere from 2,500 to 4,000 a week, say, a week, that are coming into the city. I have no power to stop them because of the laws of this city, state, and country. I have no power on this at all. And that's why we're suing 
uh, Texas for doing this, but this should not even be, be happening to El Paso, Brownsville. Any city should not be going through this. Yeah, I mean, so, that, that, that's the point. You're a naysayer. You're the detractor. say, hey, Eric, give me a break. You're suing Texas. They're getting 10 times, 10 times the amount that you're getting. Why should they get that? I mean, and you say you don't have the power to do it, but if Abbott is busting out people and DeSantis bust out people, what stops you from turning these buses around and busting out people, getting them out of here? Yeah, different laws in the state, um, laws that were put in place long before I became mayor. Uh, you know, those laws restrict me from turning over those who commit serious crimes to ICE. The laws don't allow me to do that. Uh, the law does not allow me to stop the buses. I cannot stand at the foot of the uh, Lincoln or Holland Tunnel and say, no, a bus can't come in. Uh, the state laws uh, don't allow me to do that, and I don't have the power of deportation. And even what they're doing in Texas, in some cases, it may really deal with a legal issue that are you compelling people to live, uh, to leave. Uh, you know, that could be uh, uh, determined to be some form of illegal uh, trafficking. And so we have to really, you can't break the law to try to enforce the law. And that's the, tr that's the problem that I'm having here. Uh, said, this is too costly. It's not sustainable. Yep. And I've been clear from last year. Yep. But here's what here's what said. Here's what people have not acknowledged. I predicted that we were going to have over a hundred. We were going to have a hundred thousand that was going to be here. So I put in place measures to get people out of our system. My prediction of a hundred thousand were off. We got a hundred and sixty-eight thousand. <laughs> still coming. But do you know over fifty over fifty? Seven percent of them, we were able to get out of the system and stabilize. When we put in the 30-day rules, the 60-day rules, and other rules of reticketing and other things, we've been able to keep down that 100,000 within our care. We get, were able to keep that down, and that was how we were able to get cost savings so we could uh, reverse some of the budgetary cuts we made, like our police in our schools and others. Because we were successful in managing this crisis to keep the numbers down. One of the other uh, uglier parts of the city, again, not your fault, is after October the 7th, these pro-Palestinians started to uh, get together, started with that big one in Bay Ridge, 5,000. And I gave you credit the other night, uh, Mr. Mayor, right in front of you. And I meant that. I was very sincere. I love the people you put in place in this city. I'm a big Eddie Caban fan. You know how much I love Michael Kemper. I think he's amazing. I've had other guys on this show from Daughtry to other folks that are in your department. And they, they did a good job last week. They arrested 334 of these pro-Palestinian ralliers. But the truth is, it's become a blight on this city. And not because I'm Jewish and I think that they're actually out there, you know, uh, on the side of murder, which they are. But it just doesn't look good when you've got 6,000 people standing in front of the Holland Tunnel or blocking the Manhattan Bridge. Is there any plan moving forward to limit what these people have been doing almost on a daily basis? Well, it's far, it's far from daily. Um, we've had um, over 400-and-something protests. Um, we had a, a very peaceful protest that took place uh, last week dealing with the return of the hostages. Uh, we had uh, protests in the city all the time. This is a city of, of protests. Uh, the goal is to do it peacefully and not disrupt the way of life of people. And there, there were uh, roughly uh, last, last week – we had a, a handful of people on the Brooklyn Bridge, the tunnels. Uh, they wanted to disrupt the rush hour. And we were very clear that was not going to happen. And the police went in 
and took appropriate action. The the settlement took place that allowed people to pro- protest more loosely than it was before. Uh, it was a settlement uh, that the courts ruled on, um, did not permit people to block bridges and tunnels, and we made sure that people uh, are not going to do that. And when you look at 8.3 million people in this city, uh, the overwhelming number of complies with the, with the law and do what is what is right to do. And so we should not let the numerical minority hijack how well this city is 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 carrying out its business every day. You said yeah, there's 5,000 people in, in Bay Ridge. Of uh, that is far from the number of total number of people who are doing the right thing. I think sometimes sure. we focus on people yep. doing the wrong thing yep. that we ignore the fact that people are doing the right thing. So on the way out, okay, there's a lot of positives too here, Eric. I mean, the uh, the crime numbers come back and murders down, shootings are down. To your credit, to your NYPD, doing a terrific job. Uh, according to my friends in real estate, Suzanne and Corey, uh, that seemingly is on the way back. Uh, you talked just last week right in front of me Wednesday about the tourist numbers being back as well. So as you go into year three, because you weren't on right after the new year, this is your first appearance in 2024. As you go into year three of your stay as mayor, uh, my friend Eric Adams, there are some things going well. There are some things not going very well. What is the biggest obstacle in your way? from having an Aaron Judge year number three. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at it, it really uh, in the spirit of uh, Dr. King, uh, you know, it's about housing. Housing is crucial to me. Uh, you know, many people think about uh, Dr. King's uh, civil rights journey and not don't realize uh, how much he, he knew the importance of housing. He fought for, for for fair housing, and that's what we're doing. Uh, when you look at this administration, uh, you you see the success of our housing programs. It, I mean, you know, we inherited a city where crime was going in the wrong direction. Where you saw our economy was in free fall. Where you saw COVID was taking taking over. Uh, and now you look at where we are now. And I know people of uh, you know you, you, sometimes it takes a while before. What you feel equals to what what you felt equals to what you feel. As you said, crime is down, homicides are down, shooters are down, a double digit. Five of the seven major crimes are down. Um, we have more private sector jobs in the history of the city. The history of the city. Uh, when you look at um, how well we're doing and managing this city, with even with the migrant crisis, we have a double A bond rating. Bond raters are seeing the success that we're doing, but it's about housing also. Uh, you know, Dr. King advocated for the Fair Housing Act um, passed by Congress in 1968. Here's where we are. Said we created the second highest number of new affordable homes in one year in the history of the city. Created the highest number of homes for formerly homeless people of, um, in New York in the history of the city. And we connected more people to housing, permanent housing by using our FEPS voucher program in the history of the program. Um, as Dr. King was really strong on public housing, uh, what we call NYCHA, uh, we are starting the process of turning around NYCHA by using uh, the land trust, unlocking billions of dollars uh, to deal with the historical uh, broken system of NYCHA. And so when I think of Dr. King and I think of what we must accomplish, uh, it got to be more than just talking about his speeches, is living out his life, and that is my goal as the mayor. 
And part of that living out my, of his life, the greatest obstacle I believe we're having in this city right now is the continuous flow of migrants and asylum seekers who are not allowed to work, who are not allowed to pursue the American dream. We must fix this in 2024, and I'm going to do everything I can to raise my voice and call on that. That's a great job, Eric. Seriously, a great conversation. Uh, I think we hit on most of the topics uh, New Yorkers care about. I appreciate, as always, you coming by this morning and doing a great job. Happy MLK Day, Mr. Mayor, and I'll see you and talk to you again very, very soon, my friend. Thank you. Take care. Take care. There he is, Mayor Eric Adams, right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. Let me uh, tell you this, too. Let me give you the easiest way to get blocked on my social media. Write something as stupid as, Sid, stop kissing Adam's ass. If you listened, I did not kiss his ass, folks. I came hard with the migrants, with the pro-Palestinians. That's how it works. There are some positives. You'll let him do them. So he comes back. I'm not here to beat people up. You want that type of radio? Don't come here. That was a good job by Adams. We'll come back with Steve Bannon right after this. Informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. All right. Curtis Sleva just uh, stopped me in the hallway and said, Great job with Eric Adams. You did not kiss his ass. You did uh, just enough to make sure he felt some pain, but make sure he comes back again. That's how the game works, folks. If you really think I kissed the mayor's ass, you're a moron. And I'd rather you didn't listen to this show. I'd really, I'd really rather you didn't listen. But I know, of course, there's like three or four troublemakers out there of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that have made this show number one in the country. No matter what I say, you're going to complain. So you can go F yourself. On MLK Day, go F yourself. Uh, I thought Adams, uh, you know, answered the best he could. And certainly, uh, if he has Curtis Sliwa, not nearly good enough. Yeah. All right, we got uh, Steve Bannon coming up. I love Bannon. This was a great addition to our daily, weekly lineup for 2024. Our guy Donald Trump about to kick some major ass at the caucus in uh, in Iowa. Mason City, Iowa, minus 39 degrees today. But those folks will still get out there and caucus for Trump. Bannon is in Richmond, Virginia. And you say, why is that? Well, you're going to find out. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. So if you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden, you must go caucus tomorrow. First step. First step. We're going to do it. We're going to do it big. You got to get out. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, God, i even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. If you need Peggy Sue, then you know Buddy Holly, Peggy Sue, is there any significant? I love this song, but is this Steve Bannon's favorite song or something? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any reason? Uh, he didn't die today, Buddy Holly. It wasn't the plane crash. Buddy's birthday? Uh, where the caucuses are. <laughs> oh, you're right about that. Oh, my God, that's great. 
Yeah, you're a genius. Iowa, some part, yeah, some mountain. I hate to say it, but my uh, my good buddy Alan Wengrovsky, who was one of my best friends in high school, Solomon Schechter, Alan Wengrovsky visiting his children and grandchildren in Israel, is listening right now. And you can listen to all over the world on the free 77 app. I've got a huge listenership in Israel. And our plan is to be there two weeks from today for four shows. So good morning, Alan, out there in uh, Jerusalem. Steve Bannon, that's the man right there. He's got his own great podcast every day. The Worm's great. And he's with us every, uh, every Monday. And, uh, Steve, it's great to talk to you, buddy. How are you? Thank you, uh, thank you, Sid. Uh, doing great because today's the uh, a firefight in Washington over the budget and the uh, huge fight in Iowa over uh, President Trump coming back to the White House. So it's a great day. It is, and is a, I'll add a third thing to why it's a great day, Steve. When you texted me yesterday, I couldn't help but laugh because you asked if I was working, and of course I'm working. I work every. I play the speech to the whole thing, you know. And you go, well, I'm going to be in Richmond, Virginia, because today is Lee Jackson Day. And, and I had no idea what the hell you were talking about, but is, is that is that really today? Is that a big day in Virginia? No, it used to be when I was a small kid. No, uh, yeah, I thought we we've, we've got we've got Royce White and others on the day. I was I was pulling the chain, but it used to be it used to be Lee Jackson Day back when, you know fifty years ago. Right now, that day is over, obviously. So, but are you in Virginia today? Or is that what you do? You so far? Richmond. I was in Richmond over the weekend, but came back uh, late last night because I got to tell you. We got a firefight on our hands here on this budget. Uh, you know, you just heard Mayor Adams on. You know, the invasion of the southern border is, I think, probably the number one topic in New York City. Yeah. Uh, particularly at Floyd Bennett Field and other places. You know, New York's a sanctuary city. It's being absolutely overrun by illegal alien invaders. The budget in New York City is going to collapse. The city services are going to collapse, and this firefight in Congress is directly related to it. They they continue not to want to seal the southern border, and our position is pretty hard. Either shut down the border immediately or shut down the government. And so we're going to have a huge fight starting this morning in the nation's capital. Are you telling me, Steve, there's nothing we can do with Mayorkas? I, you know, I've had conversations with Anthony Esposito and Nancy Mace is going to join me sometime next hour. They've talked about impeaching the guy, you know, <laughs> jokingly but not. I said the guy belongs in prison. Forget about impeachment. But are you telling me there's nothing we can do with Mayorkas? Well, with Mayorkas, yes, you can definitely start an impeachment hearings, and I think they should. But that, you know, don't let's not just go for a shiny toy. He he should be impeached because of his non-enforcement of the law, and quite frankly, breaking the law and creating new laws that are that are quite frankly illegal. What we need to do is defund this government. We need a a hard shutdown right now. If you do not seal the border. You don't get another penny, and you can fund the Department of Defense and maybe some of Homeland Security, but everything else in the government shuts down. And I think that's a hard line. If we don't take that hard line, if you continue to fund this illegitimate Biden regime, all they're going to do is let millions of people, millions of additional people in. And if you see Langford, the Senate, you know, we know for the last five weeks has been working on a deal that will immediately give work permits to all seven or eight million illegal aliens that are here that came through the Biden. Once you give those folks work permits, first off, the minority community is going to get crushed. Wages are going to drop dramatically. But number two, you're going to have another three or four hundred million people try to come to the country because they realize you can get a work permit immediately if you get into the country. And so this thing's got to be fight, uh, got to be fought. It's got to be fought hard. Well, obviously, one of the reasons why Kevin McCarthy, Steve Bannon, the great Steve Bannon, 
is not there now is because fights like these, Matt Gates and others felt like he couldn't get it done. He was uncomfortable, couldn't get it done. Do you have confidence that Johnson and this crew can get it done? Absolutely not. You remember, McCarthy gave us the worst deal that's ever been cut, this debt deal, which gave Biden two years, unlimited spending, unlimited deficits. Remember, Bernie uh, said when this thing was signed back in May, our, our national debt was only, uh, I think, $31.4 trillion. It's $34 trillion today going to $35 trillion by the end of March. This thing's exploding. And the reason is there's no caps on the limit of spending. This deal they're talking about approving this week on the CR still has Nancy Pelosi's budget in it. Jeez. So McCarthy gave us the worst deal. Uh, Johnson inherited that, Sid. But he has not. He's shown, I think, pretty much that he's not up to the task. I'm a big believer. If he if he pushes CRs, which he promised he would not do, I think they have to go to a motion to vacate, remove him, and get somebody else. Next oh my up. God, we can't keep doing that, though, Steve. I mean, we had those uh, three weeks when maybe it was going to be Jordan, maybe Scalise. It was it was a nightmare. And and, and you know, look, uh, Trump is going to win anyway. Thank God, and that's great. But. We didn't look good. That was not a good time period for us. And to keep getting rid of these guys. I think it's taking charge. It's an an out-of-control apparatus. It's just going to continue to run us into debt, and the Federal Reserve is going to still push it. For Lawler and these guys around the New York City area, they keep whining about, oh, these are districts Biden won. Well, the polling doesn't show today that Biden will win because of the invasion of the southern border. It's incumbent upon the New York City uh, congressman are in these districts to get off their ass and get out there and tell people exactly what's going on. I'm tired of the whining. I'm tired of the bitching and moaning. And that's all you hear from this crowd. They got a man up. The country's in a look. You either believe we're in a crisis or you don't. We've got, we've got eight million, eight million illegal alien invaders. At the rate they're going now, you're going to have another four before President Trump gets here. You have 12 million, 12 million illegal alien invaders into the country. And, and without a sealed border. So you have to act like it's a crisis. We got to, the way to do it, the House has all the, has all the leverage in this deal. Shut down the, either shut down the border or shut down the government. Do we have that guy, though? Again, we've got Johnson now. We told uh, Jordan couldn't get it done. Scalise had his issues. McCarthy got kicked out. Dude, Gates won't do it. Do we have that guy in the House that can be the guy you're looking for? Look, I think I think there's a number of people out there you got to try. I think Stefanik could be a good choice. You maybe even double back on Jordan. I don't know. Let let them figure it out. Here's the message we have to send: If you're going to sit there, and, if you're going to get this job and get in there and immediately get into the swamp and start having Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell tell you yeah. what to do, then yeah. you're the wrong guy. Boom, next man up. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's just like in warfare, you lose people all the time. This guy's not up to it. We're in a crisis. Next man up. Actually, uh, like the backup quarterback after an injury with the NFL playoffs going into uh, almost until week two with two games coming up today. The great uh, Steve Bannon joining us here. So I got to tell you, our guy Trump is ready to kick ass in, in Iowa, and it looks like uh, he's going to win the primary relatively easily. I haven't bought it to Nikki Haley, not even once. But uh, depending on who you talk to, the Democrat thing keeps changing. I had three guests on last week, three Steve Bannon, one being Judge Jeanine Pirro, the other, our mutual friend, Roger Stone. Roger Stone said this on this show on Friday. This is not up for debate. He, he said, Sid, this happened. Barack Obama met Joe Biden a week or two ago, and he said, you're done. He said, the ticket will be, there's no doubt, the ticket will be Michelle Obama 
and Gavin Newsom. And I, that scares me just a little, to be honest, because uh, Obama, for some reason, still has a lot of love in this country. Are you as uh, dead sure as Roger Stone that's going to be the case? And if it is, should I be concerned? I will say this. Obama did go and have lunch at the White House with, with Biden and told him, hey, this, the, your campaign's not working. Your presidency's not working. Now, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem they've got. The Democrats and the Democrat donors would love to do that, and they would love to have that ticket. The problem is they, they have no convening authority. There's no apparatus. The Democratic Party, the DNC, has been so weakened over years. There's actually no apparatus to remove Biden. You know, Biden's not even having a primary. There's no real primary over there. So there's no apparatus actually to force him out. Those guys would love to force him out. But he's kind of dug in right now. I think the reason he's dug in, he understands his legal problems. It's not simply Hunter Biden. It's all the corruption, the money he took from the CCP, money he took from Ukraine. So he's in there as much for self-preservation as anything else. If the Democrats had their choice, I, don't th- I think Roger's absolutely correct. They would love a Michelle Gavin Newsom ticket in a second. The problem is they have no convening authority, no apparatus to actually dig out Joe Biden and his wingman, Kamala Harris. So I think for right now, they're stuck with it. But trust me, they are working every angle to figure out how they get somebody to take on Trump. Because right now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are no match for Trump. No, and it looks like nobody in uh, the Republican Party is either. Nikki Haley keeps talking up a good game, and maybe she'll keep it close to New Hampshire. But you would agree that uh, after South Carolina, State 3, if you're keeping score at home, after South Carolina, Trump will be the lone man standing, yes? Yeah, but Sid, I would go back to the poll put out last night by the uh, by the pollster from uh, from the Omaha, I think, register. Uh, she's the definitive pollster. If you go and look at not just the, the, you know, Trump's, I think, at 48, Nikki at 20, but then you look at the crosstabs, uh, only 20 percent of the people or 15 percent of the people have any enthusiasm for Nikki at all. So I think that will show up today, as you mentioned, in minus, minus, at Mason City in minus 39 degree weather, who shows up? More importantly, over half of her supporters in Iowa, over half, will vote for Joe Biden over Trump in the uh, in the general election. That means she's got a lot of Democrats, a lot of independents. That's why the polls in New Hampshire are very misleading. In New Hampshire, independents can actually vote. I would tell you that I think right now at least 60 percent of her support in New Hampshire are not really Republicans or not people going to support President Trump. So they're going to make a big deal tonight about the horse race in New Hampshire. Uh, I think it's uh, phony because I think the independents voting show you are Democrats to register for a day to vote, show you most of her support is coming from people who are never going to vote for a Republican candidate named Trump. And that's why I think you're right. I think by South Carolina, no later than Super Tuesday, uh, the Nikki Haley uh, phenomenon is over. I think it's over, too, and I won't miss her. Last one. I know you got about two minutes to go, Steve, and you're just – well, you're amazing. You're brilliant. Uh, I do want to talk about Trump last week. You know, we talked months ago about how's he going to do it? He's got to be in one courtroom on Thursday, another courtroom on Friday, then a caucus on Saturday. Well, guess what? He just did it. He's in Iowa today. He's about to kick some major ass. Now, look, this next year till November, going to be challenging, no doubt about it. But is there any doubt as a guy that's as close to Trump as anybody on this planet that he'll be able to get this done, all those ridiculous court dates and campaigning at the same time. Look, only a guy like Trump can do it, said, you know, that, you know, the energy the guy has is just incredible. Here's the thing. Look at Fonnie Willis's case is falling apart. I think she's going to go to prison, not President Trump's down in Georgia. Hope so. uh, the Jack Smith case is falling apart. 
the New York City thing is a, a show trial is ridiculous. I think they're trying to keep President Trump from even going to Melania's mother's funeral by forcing him to show up in court this week in Manhattan. The only person who can pull this off is Trump, and I would ask, I would tell everybody to go to NBC News and read that uh, news uh, story they had yesterday about the deep state, about the guys associated with national security, the Pentagon, are already forming a group, already forming a group to try to block every change President Trump wants to make into the national security uh, deep state. They're, they're already formed up. They, they understand that Trump is roaring back and nothing's going to stop him. But the only guy that could ever pull that off, Sid, as you know, is Donald Trump. It's amazing what he's done so far, and he's just picking up ahead of steam. I think you could probably do it, too, but you're just not running. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, another great appearance, Steve. I really love you, man. Thank you for doing this. You, you're a huge, huge addition to our show. So thank you very much. We'll do it again next week. We'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. My man, Steve Bannon, right there every Monday around 840. We're in a little late today because of the mayor, Eric Adams, but always, always just stock full of information and opinions, and he's terrific. All right, fourth and final hour coming up. We'll talk about the house with my friend down in South Carolina, Nancy Mace. One more hour, sitting friends in the morning. Come on. In the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I had the radio on. I was driving. 
running. Come on, Tom Petty. You tell him, baby. MLK Day on Sid and Friends in the morning. Mayor Eric Adams on earlier. I thought mayor was uh, the mayor did a good job. <laughs> I just killed Al Sharpton. Like, he's a horrible person. He's a terrible guy. There's got to be somebody else in the black community. And, and I stand by that. I know Eric likes him, but I think he's garbage, Sharpton. Anyway, Steve Bannon was terrific today. So was Curtis Sliwa. So was Rich Lowry. So you know how this uh, thing works, right? The president race really starts today. They're caucusing in Iowa as we speak. Caucusing in Iowa. And then um, then we're going to go to um, to New Hampshire. And then we're going to go to Nancy Mesa's state in South Carolina. And that's when it's all going to be over. That's when uh, Donald Trump will be all by himself. DeSantis, my opinion, gone after Iowa. Haley makes it to her own state, South Carolina, gets her ass kicked in her own state by Trump. She's gone. And I don't know when Vivek leaves. He should have left about eight months ago. I don't care. Anyway, Nancy Mace is a very important member of the House and, most importantly, a dear friend of this show. Nancy Mace in South Carolina, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. You know what I found out this morning? I had no idea that uh, my friend Steve Bannon doesn't like Mike Johnson. You know, I, I, I knew that he didn't like Kevin McCarthy, and I had a feeling he wasn't angry with you and Gates and the rest of the crew. But he doesn't like Johnson either. I said, he said, you guys should uh, get rid of him too. I said, I said, Steve, you can't keep doing this. He goes, yes, we can. We got to get this right. We got to get the money for the border. That's the bottom line. I said, but who are you going to pick? Bottom line. I mean, bottom line that is. But, you know, Mike Johnson inherited a nightmare. This is not Mike Johnson's. Making. I know, but, but, Ban- but I know that, but, but, but Bannon is saying by the former speaker. I know, I mean, but they're terrible deals. I know, but Bannon is saying you're right. McCarthy did this before, but Bannon is saying Johnson doesn't have the balls to fix it. Johnson is very, very smart. I'm not going to agree with Johnson on everything, but it's not necessary. It's not. I don't agree that it's him as the the buck stops here only. But I was in some meetings last week with some House Freedom Caucus people with you know, defense hawks with the speaker, et cetera. And our own, there are members of our own party and our own conference that will not allow HR2 attached to the spending bill. They will kill it. And I almost, my advice to everyone is call their bluff. <laughs> I dare a Republican to vote against any spending measure that attaches HR2 to it. You can't do it because that's not where the people are. The vast majority of people are with us on this, but there are forces within our party that are trying to kill any deal going forward with immigration attached to it. It's a huge problem. Who are they? I'm not going to name names. Yes, you are. I'm in private meetings, Mm -hmm. but I'm not. But it's ridiculous that this is where we are. And, like, you see um, what's going on at the southern border. It's un-American. And I'm like, let's call their bluff. Let's attach HR2 to every single spending bill we have, every appropriations and measure everything, any CR. And dare our own party members to vote against it, because that's what they're threatening behind the scenes, Sid. That's what they're threatening behind the scenes, to not be with us on immigration. And that will be our downfall if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, Bannon said to me this morning, uh, and when Bannon speaks, you know, he basically speaks for Trump. It's the same guy. He said, shut down the government. Let him shut it down. If you don't get the money we want, get the deal we need for the border, 
then shut it down. Now, look, I've had these conversations with other folks who are not as honest as you, Nancy, and they talk about a government shutdown being absolutely horrendous. It'll, it'll destroy the country. It'll People won't get paid. They won't go to work, blah, blah, blah. Biden and Trump say, we don't care. You may have to hurt short term to fix it long term. Would you go as far as agreeing to that? Shut it down if you don't get it? I can't I can't support anything that doesn't have border security based on on what I'm seeing right now, whatever that means. And look, the president and the administration can prioritize spending. They can decide to pay our military. They can decide to pay our border patrol agents first. They can do all those things and then cut the fluff in order to pay those bills. But it's really up to the, and the left is very good about it. When we're in a shutdown, they're very good about making it as painful as possible for Republicans so we lose elections. And so they don't really care about the American people. They care about the PR that they will benefit from if there's a shutdown. So it's no, there are no easy decisions here. That's just the reality of the situation. And it's not like we haven't put over border security bills. We did a homeland security bill. We did defense spending bills in the fall. We did all these things. But the left just lies. They just lie and pretend like it doesn't exist. But it sits in Chuck Schumer's drawer in his desk where mm. he decides has decided to ignore it mm. because he wants to continue to spend our nation into oblivion, to make it uh, difficult for every hardworking American. He may be the worst politician of all time. But uh, uh, right now, the latest news is uh, we've done enough to avoid a government shutdown once again temporarily, yes? Until March, March 1st or 8th. Um, I, I've only seen the contours of an agreement. I don't know where i got to see the details. Devil is always in the details. But if the top-line number is what the debt ceiling was last year, I will not be supporting it. We just cannot continue this. And Republicans and Democrats, this is not just a Democrat issue, but Republicans have been just at fault for the spending and inflation that we have today as Democrats because we have added to the debt. We have added to the deficit. That debt ceiling bill the former speaker did last year was crap. It's $50 trillion. It's worse than that, but $50 trillion of debt onto the backs of our children and grandchildren in the next nine and a half years. I'm not going to support any of that. Oh, you are fired up. Nancy Mace down in Charleston this morning. I love it. Uh, where are we with money to uh, Israel and Ukraine? And, and again, I know I'm repeating myself with a million times, but I was never comfortable with giving Ukraine a lot of money, and I thought it should have stopped a long time ago. I don't trust Zelensky. I certainly don't trust that, that country. They're about as corrupt as it gets. And quite frankly, to me, they're third on the list right now. I need Israel getting the money, and even more than Israel is the border right here in America. Where are we in money to those two countries? Well, they, again, it, you know, some people want to tie border security to supplemental aid for those countries, and then there's another faction of us that want to know how it's going to be paid for. And so some really tough decisions have to be made, and we don't, we'll see where we go in the next couple of weeks. Surely our allies need support, but again, like you said, our border comes first. We're going to have our own crisis in this country. We're already having it now, but the next terrorist attack, I don't, I fear what's going on at the southern border. And I praise Governor Abbott and the guard that he has down there now securing our border. I love seeing what he is doing to make these sanctuary cities feel the pain that he feels every single day, because now every city and every town has become a border town. And even in South Carolina, Sid, we've had members of MS-13 gang arrested down here because wow. they're everywhere, Jeez. everywhere. Human trafficking, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Sentinel, it's everywhere. It's disgusting what Biden has done to this country. That's true. Uh, do you agree, though, that Israel should get money before Ukraine and more? Oh, 100%. 100%. And Israel needs that support. Um, we need to make sure that they have everything that they need in order to fight back the terrorism that is Hamas and what might be coming behind it.
See, clearly you're as dumb as I am, because uh, for some reason you and I don't get it that Vladimir Putin's about to take over the world. I mean, he couldn't win a fight in his own backyard. He's been embarrassing during this whole Ukraine thing. If I hear your friend, your friend Nikki Haley, talk to me one more time about Ukraine winning the war. I mean, she was on Brian Kilmeade show on Fox News right before me on Saturday night. She's talking about Ukraine winning the war. What are you stupid? First of all, they're not going to win the war because of attrition. Russia's got too many people, too many weapons. They'll keep going until they win. But the truth is, Putin has embarrassed himself here on, on the on the world stage and showed no real threat, to me at least, to the rest of the world. What about you? Well, the alliance between China and Russia is scary. And then if they incorporate a trifecta with Iran and where does Saudi Arabia stand? I mean, there are other you know forces at play True. here, too, we should all be worried about. China. But the right. last thing I think any China, any of us want to see are our own troops on the ground. In Ukraine for that reason. Um, but look, until we change presidents, this is what's going to continue to happen with Joe Biden as president. We got a guy that can't string two sentences together when he's overseas. He can't walk up a set of stairs. He thinks he's a senator, not a president. That happened a few days ago at a coffee shop. I mean, we are weakened, and this is on the world stage. This is only going to continue until we have a Republican president who will show strength. Not just a Republican. We're going to continue to we're going to continue to face these these challenges around the world. Not just a Republican president. You mean Donald Trump? Yeah. I know you love Nikki. He he scares the hell out of everybody, and he's a guy nobody wants to (laughs) mess with. So, so there's a guy in New York, and he writes for the the paper, the New York Post. His name is Michael Goodwin. So he was on with me relatively regularly, and uh, I pissed him off a couple of months ago. But in turn, he pissed me off. He was upset that I said that uh, Joe Biden. It basically um, is an accomplice to the war in Israel, you know, because of his dealings with Iran over not one but two administrations, dating back to his days as VP with Obama. And now, now, of course, I said he's basically complied with the enemy and he got furious. That's not right. He's pro-Israel. He's, you know, he, he clearly has been saying all that. I go, I don't care what he says. It's his actions. And now the same guy, the same guy wrote a story, Nancy, in yesterday's New York Post where he actually accused Joe Biden of playing for both teams, trying to appease Israel, yet funding Iran. So basically what he said in the Post yesterday was Sid was right. He wouldn't say it, but that's what he said. But is that not what the president has done? He's played for both teams. Oh, 100%. And it wasn't that long ago, Sid, back in the fall, late summer, early fall, where he tried to give Iran $6 billion back. I mean, come on, right? And Iran, as we know, is, is funding all sorts of acts of terrorism all around the globe. We know that Saudi Arabia is trying to get in bed with Iran. I mean, all these forces are at play here. And we can't have a president who's going to talk out of both sides of his mouth. You know, uh, you know, Hamas is a terrorist organization. And anyone in our country who supports Hamas, I dare them to go over to Gaza. Go live with Hamas and see who they throw off. They're going to throw you right off the roof. They're going to stone your women. They don't like your LGBTQ. You know, they will kill you. And these are idiots in the streets protesting for a thing they don't even know. These are probably Antifa goons, you know, that just have nothing better to do right. uh, living off the government and just want to be anarchists to be anarchists because they just, they're idiots. And, you know, go live over there. Go go there and see yeah, how they treat you. You exactly. won't survive a day in oh, Gaza. Exactly. So are you getting that? We get uh, that quite a bit here. I told the mayor today daily. He goes, well, it's not daily, but it certainly feels that way. Are you getting in lovely Charleston where you guys start drinking about 10 o'clock in the morning? Uh, are you guys getting these, these uh, pro-Palestinian rallies and all that nonsense? Oh, yeah. Biden was disrupted. 
just last week in a church. I mean, there there are they. I think they ship them in. They have to ship them in. There's no way we want. We have one of the most longest uh, historical Jewish communities in the nation right here in Charleston, one of the first synagogues was ever built in our nation right here. Um, I can't imagine we have many pro-Palestinian protesters unless they're <laughs> shipped in. Right. We have no tolerance for this sort of thing down here. We don't put up with it. Um, they have to be shipped in from, from probably New York, Sid. And yeah. did you ask Eric Adams, what was he thinking, kicking kids out of schools and putting illegal illegal immigrants in there? Like, I can't even believe what's going on in New York right now. Well, I did ask him that, by the way, Nance. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he said to me was the president had been set. There have been fires, there have been other tragedies and disasters in New York, and it's not the first time we have used our public schools. Anyway, that was an excuse. excuse so you buying it? This is a terrible, no, it's a terrible <laughs> Get a new mayor. You need a new mayor. Well, who's the mayor in Charleston? We have our first Republican mayor in over 100 years in Charleston that we just elected. Um, we're super excited about. Now, that works. You're right about that. So so let me uh, let me have you give the, the, the listeners here, the fans, if you will, an inside look. They uh, When they're done with the caucus in Iowa, by the way, Mason City, Iowa today, Nance, minus 39 degrees. So we're going to lose some of those uh, potential caucusers. But anyway, they go from here to, uh, to I mean, New Hampshire. I do think that Trump supporters are the most passionate supporters, though. Yes. I mean, I do think if, if anyone's going to turn out in negative 30, negative 40 degree weather, it's going to be his supporters. Yeah, it's I not even the weather. It's weather as an uh, Objection. No, I agree. They, they are rabid, and, and they'll be there if they can. But some of these uh, rural areas have not been plowed yet, so I'm not sure they can physically get there. But uh, we go mm-hmm. from there to New Hampshire. Then we go to your state. Uh, Nikki will still be around, I think, at that point because she'll fare well. I don't think she'll win, but she'll fare well in New Hampshire. And what can people expect when they hit South Carolina, state number three on the 2024 presidential tour? Yeah, every state is important in the presidential primary, but I'm going to say historically, South Carolina, and of course, I'm I'm biased here, is where it's at. If you win in the last 50 years, if you win South Carolina, you will win the nomination. With the exception of, of the race in 2012, you win our state, you go on to win the nomination. And so I believe in the early states, this is the most important state to win. And look, President Trump is running away with it down here. I mean, completely running away with the majority of voters in South Carolina. And I expect him to win big when he finally does get down here. Even Biden, you know, you remember the, um, you know, Bernie Sanders was uh, doing pretty well. And uh, maybe Bloomberg had just jumped in. And then I think Biden shocked everybody that big Super Tuesday. And that was it. I mean, they started falling like flies. Yep. No, South Carolina, even with Democrat primaries, it's it's a big state as well. I mean, we just... We're the bellwether for the future nominating process. You win us, you win it all. Basically. All right. Well, maybe That's how important it is. we should take the show out there, actually. And what is that steakhouse you like there? we got to go to Hall's Steakhouse, Hall's Chop House, when you do come down here. <laughs> That's where I met your daughter. I, I took her out for a drink there, and she loved it. Yeah, Ava did love, love it. it too. Yeah, Ava's back in Europe, and uh, we're planning on taking this show to Israel, do four shows live in Jerusalem in a couple of weeks, oh, and Ava's going to meet us. Yeah, it's going to be cool. That would be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, listen, it's always great to talk to you. You're great, and uh, you keep doing your thing. I mean, we need more strong people like you in this party. I mean this sincerely. I know you took a beating after the McCarthy stuff, um, but we need more people like you, strong people in this party, Nancy. So keep it up, and thank you for coming on. As always, you're great. Thank you, Sid. You know I like to call it like I see it, and I wouldn't do it any other way. Well, I'll keep you, doing sir. that. That's the great Nancy Mace out of South Carolina, and uh, that's a lady with the uh, balls. Wait, wait a second. Well, it is 2024. 
And ladies, actually, some ladies do have balls these days. Isn't that right, Justin? You know what's uh, what's great about Margot Katsimatidis? I'm not sure why I even made that transition, but she's such an awesome lady. Do you know that she comes downstairs? And I meant to say this before we talked to Nancy because she came in right before the Mace interview. She comes downstairs every morning just to say hello to us. That is like, like I've never had bosses like that. Turn up and only come in if I was in trouble. <laughs> you know, Chad, 50-50. And Margo just, comes down every morning just to say hello. I just want to know how you're doing. Hi. <laughs> All right. Having a good one. Why did you Never. say that? You just don't use that word, okay? All right. Have a good show. Yeah, right. Then you feel like hell the rest That's of the day. Right. Like you're like you're like scared to death. Whatever you say, you're going to be fired that day. You know? About 1030, come see me. <laughs> I got a lot of those. But Margo comes down every morning just to say hello. Awesome. We love Margo. It's awesome. I know. It is very, very cool. All right. We'll take a short break. Uh, we got Ernie coming up and a whole bunch of good stuff. So keep it right here. Sit on a Monday. The last three days, the rain was unstoppable. It was always cold. No sunshine. Is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Skinnered, baby. Leonard Skinnered. Ronnie Van Zandt's birthday, Lou tells me. No relation to Stephen Van Zandt, right, Lewis? Uh, no, yes, they were very related. They used to play in Cuba a lot. Uh, they would play uh, dual mandolins. What the hell are you talking about? They are no relation at all. <laughs> okay. no relation. They don't even spell it the same way, right? Mm, uh, that's right. I don't think he... No, he doesn't use a D no. in the end. You know, he didn't even make thir- uh, 30. I just don't care. Okay, okay, I think it was. I know I asked, but I just, I just lost all interest in everything. Just everything. I'm oh, just... Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> like, but I still have 15 minutes to go. Well, you lost interest, so. I got an email, and um, that movie I shot a couple of weeks ago, Jailhouse Jerky Crew, up in Blauvelt, New York, with the great Tony Darrow. Tony Darrow's a, just a, well, he's a legend, you know. I knew some other great actors there, Chuck Zito, Peter Gordio. Um, the number one Guido. So now they want me to come back and shoot one more day, Friday, January 26th. So I said, okay. To keep adding stuff to that movie, that's good stuff. And then, uh, again, the hope is, is that two weeks from today, Monday, January 29th, we'll be live from Jerusalem. Told you guys I saw, because I'm friendly with all these Big-time folks since the Israel tragedy. And one of these ladies, I can't out her name, she sent me the Hamas video last night that has Noah in it, that, that girl Noah, who we saw screaming at the top of her lungs on a motorcycle as Hamas 
was dragging her into Gaza on October the 7th. Two young gentlemen. And Hamas basically said, you know, their fate is in your hands, and we'll kill them if we have to. So what? That's still out there, all that stuff. It's still horrendous. I believe the number of hostages is 136, but... And, Noam, you can confirm that. Is that right, 136? Yeah, I keep seeing different numbers, 132, 136. So it's right in that right in that uh, you know, range. And last I saw this morning, Israel said, and I quote, we have no idea how many are alive or dead. No idea. Is that fair to assume? Yeah. I mean, how would they? And these videos are so incredibly cruel because... Yeah. You don't know if these people are still alive when right. these videos were shot, where they shot months ago. Nobody knows. Son of a gun. It's depressing, man. Well, I'm cold today, too, and I want to go to a warm weather climate. I was in Puerto Rico, remember, last month, and it was only three days I had to get away, and it was magnificent. I may move there. I don't know. It's on the plan my retirement, 25 years in advance, of course, but Danielle, um, she talks about retiring. I'm like, I'm going to die right on the air. What did you say, 25 years? Yeah. Do you want to work? No, I don't want to work anymore at all. Well, then, what are you saying? I don't saying? have a choice. What are you saying, 25 I years I live with people that like nice things. Do <laughs> you understand that, Lewis? I got a daughter who's a psycho. <laughs> Only my son. My son doesn't care, as long as he's got Nick tickets and, and basketball uh, going on. <laughs> right, you don't care. But, um, I mean, they know talks about time ago, well, you're not going to let me. I'm going to, at least I'm as, you know, lasted a year. I'm going to die right on the show. Yeah, you you can't retire. Retire. Well, I can't retire anyway because if I do, there'll be nobody good left. Well, let's write that one down. That is. So, <laughs> could you just just dissect you. that uh, statement? I can't retire right. because there'll be nobody no. good no. left. Yeah, you may as well shut down radio for forever. I never, I never heard <laughs> Joe DiMaggio, Michael Jordan, <laughs> G. No one has ever used that. Oh. That's a great phrase. I well, can't retire. I was going right. to retire, but you yeah. would have nobody good. Right, left I just can't do it. I've got an people. obligation to the people. So, does that look good on the back of a shirt right there? I, Sit in front of the you. morning. Go to a break. God, I, 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 really I can't <laughs> Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. song linger as we wrap things up don't forget tomorrow i'll be here for just three hours i'm here six to ten every day but tomorrow i'm leaving at nine because my dear friend former chief of police joe esposito tomorrow's his funeral 
at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I'm going to make that depressing walk, which I've done too many times between those two officers years ago, Moya and Rivera, my friend Bernie, to now Esposito tomorrow. I hate that walk, but I'll make that walk tomorrow at 9 and uh, go to Joe's funeral. I believe my man Curtis will fill in for the final hour tomorrow, and then he'll get Curtis back again from noon to 1. But we are done for today. I love today's show between the MLK stuff and uh, the hashtag 100 stuff and all the news we covered. I thought Mayor Eric Adams did a very good job. Bannon was great. Oh, the whole show was great. Lewis, always brilliant and uh, exceptionally good today with the uh, music, Lou. Great job out of you, Justin Ella. Good luck to your Eagles tonight. Eagles and Bucks winner takes on the Lions. Coming up next round, the football Steelers and Bills winner will take on, I guess, um, Baltimore. No, Baltimore plays Houston, so Kansas City. Uh, nice job today, Noam Layden, as always. As my friend Gene would say, God willing, we'll all be back 6 a.m. tomorrow for a Tuesday show. Until then, from all of us to all of you on this Monday in New York, happy MLK Day. Peace! Do you have to let it linger? Do you have to? Do you have to? Do you have to?